Welcome to the Day Luna Human Design Podcast, where we discuss all things human design and how it can support you and your spiritual journey. This is not a one-size-fits-all podcast. We are here to inspire awareness about how we are all different and help you answer the questions of who am I? What am I here to do? How am I here to do it? You can thrive and live the life of your dreams just by having awareness of your true self. So dive deep with us, get inspired, and start living your life on purpose. Hello, and welcome back to the Day Luna Human Design Podcast with your hosts, Dana and Shayna. Today, we have on a special guest and also a repeat guest, Josh Siegel, and he is a numerologist who we've had on the podcast a few weeks ago, or actually maybe a few months ago now, but he is amazing. And in this episode, we get deep. We talk about a lot of things in our past that we haven't talked about necessarily on this podcast before. Um, He does our numerology and reads our numerology charts live on the podcast. We did not edit this episode at all. And so you're going to hear some real shit. But we also read a bit about his human design, which is interesting because he has a defined mind and he's not like super into human design. So, you know, kind of trying to weave in his design in a way that he can add it to his defined mind's way of viewing it, if you will, is always tricky. But we, I think we did that in this episode and definitely got him curious after this episode. This is a long episode, by the way. So if you make it to the end, great job. Um, (laughs) Which I think you will. Honestly, like my husband's like, I can't wait to hear it because it's numerology so predictive and it talks a lot about the future and also a lot about the past and how you can work with these themes in your life and your lessons and things like that. Um, But we'll post his chart in the show notes so you can see what his design is. But he's a clarion. He is here to channel messages and share them with the collective. And he is doing exactly that. So this conversation is fun. Everyone loved his episode from before. So if you haven't heard that yet, you can go back and find his previous episode, maybe like five back. And yeah, we hope that you love it. Yeah. And for everyone listening, Josh is a 5-1 sacral generator. And as Shana mentioned, that left angle cross of the clarion, it comes through loud and clear. So I think you'll learn a lot about human design stuff along the way and also just astrology stuff. You know, both Shana and I have a life path number nine, which he talks about a lot. So you might have that as well. And, you know, Josh is recognized as one of the foremost authorities on numerology. He's brought a fresh and compelling new face to an ancient science by translating the mystical system of numbers into the modern mindset of today. And by employing his highly advanced system of calculations, he's able to quickly penetrate core issues and give instant clarity to questions, interpret the meaning of seemingly random events, and empower you to change counterproductive patterns. And we were so blown away by our readings. He does all of those things, definitely. So without further ado, let's just jump right on in. All right. We are so grateful to be here again for part two with Josh Siegel. We know that you all loved our last episode together. So we were all looking forward as a collective to getting to have this part two, to getting to share this conversation with Josh today. So Josh, thank you so much for being here. Welcome back. How are you feeling today? Hey, I'm feeling great. 
this is going to be one hell of an episode, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel the same. Just all already the last time we got to met our, you know, something about our soul frequency. We just really connect with you. We love your wisdom. We love your expertise. We love your approach to all of this. Um, so we're just really excited to connect with you in general. But today we're going to be talking about a little bit about your human design and our numerology, just kind of diving in together. And I already have a feeling that we're about to get our minds blown. Yeah, I think so. I can, I can already <laughs> tell. Um, no, I, I, the, the feeling is mutual. I really enjoyed your, you know, I do podcasts from time to time, interviews, but you don't always jive with the person. You don't always totally connect. I think you guys are great. The energy is great. And I think your um, your heart's in the right place. And you can really tell. I mean, there's, there's quality here. And so that's why I was excited to come back and um, do this part two with you. Because I think you guys are you know, just as interested in, you know, learning about your numerology and people can learn a little bit how I operate. Obviously, I'm going to be doing abbreviated versions, you know, you know, um, the totally. caveat here is when I do a, a session, it usually goes past an hour for, you know, we don't have, we can't do that. So just so people understand that I'm going to be doing sort of a, you know, a snapshot, if you will, I'm going to be touching on things in your chart. And when I do a full session, it's done in a whole nother way taking my time and making sure I'm getting every aspect uh, that I need to get. But people will be able to see, you know, some of what I do. And I think that might be really interesting. And and on the other side of the coin, I'm really excited uh, to hear about my human design and, and what pops up in my chart. Yes. You know, God only knows what's in there. You know? <laughs> we are so excited to share with you about your human design. And likewise, normally when we do readings, they go past an hour and we're like having to cut ourselves off because there's just so much to share. And right. I love uh, mixing systems. I love being able to see, use different systems for different things. Um, but we've gotten so much feedback. So many people have emailed us and messaged us on Instagram or even texted us like close clients. Like I just met with Josh and holy shit, he blew my mind. That was incredible. I can't wait till he's back on the podcast. I want to hear more. So we were like, okay, absolutely. We need to have you back. And also we could talk to you all day. So many people messaged us like, I wish that lasted two more hours because I wanted to hear... <laughs> Just all the random, weird, deep, and just like dive in bitches is what we call ourselves. Like dive, we wanted to dive in further. So we're just so excited to be back here. And I just have to say right off the bat that you have the same cross of incarnation as the creator of human design, Ra Aruhu, who channeled human design in Ibiza, which you just got back from Ibiza. You have the same cross of incarnation. Your numbers are in a slightly different order, but you're here to be a clarion and to bring insight and messages and wisdom to people when they want it or when they need to hear it. And you're kind of designed to be pressured to speak <laughs> and to share that wisdom. So of course, there's so many, you know, uh, lessons and things that come with that, that we'll get into, you know, all the different parts of your chart. But I just had to say right off the bat, this is such a rare cross to have. And your cross of incarnation is kind of like your life purpose. The energy that you're here to be in all of the things that you do is this clarion messenger channeled, like I'm going to hit you in the core of what you are needing to hear right now, energy. And that sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> and what I... 
seen that. What I love about your this quality within you, Josh, is that you're here to really hit people kind of with this like shocking, like it literally stops them in their track with this astonishingly powerful information that really guides them to their purpose. And something that I really love about you that's in your cross as well is about you being this messenger that takes the sublime and makes it practical, like boils it down and really helps people utilize it. And then also, like China said in the beginning, there's this reluctancy, especially from a young age of like maybe maybe not fully wanting to own that or fully share, but throughout time, you feel that people really need that from you. Um, And so there's this great power in this because there's this uh, leadership quality that you have a lot of places in your chart where you're wanting to lead and guide, but it's so genuinely to help other people find their path. It's not out of a place of ego or wanting to be like the person whose voice is heard. If anything, you're really just wanting to impart information that is genuinely going to guide people's lives. And that type of energy energy is this really beautiful new paradigm leadership where it's this power to instead of power over. And I feel that the practicality of everything you share, but this incredible intuitive, you know, all of that stuff is so wrapped up into many, many themes in your chart. Mm, It sounds, sounds right to me. I mean, a little bit of feedback. Um, It's interesting because I've done a fair amount of media uh, over the course of the last 900 years I've been doing this. But in, in every case, these are projects that came to me. I didn't, I really wasn't seeking that. Um, and um, uh, I've had a book in my brain for 7,000 years and it's about half done. But yeah, there's been some reluctance to fully, you know, even the social media stuff, I've been uh, not very active in that. Part of the reason is that when I started out, there wasn't any social media. And I thought, you know, maybe this is a little... I don't know. I didn't have the best view of it. Now I realize it's just a fact of life. But yeah, I think there was some reluctance to fully get out there in a in, in a larger path. Path, but I think now um, I realize uh, an important part of my process is to get to people that I haven't gotten before. Not everybody knows about me, and um, I spent my time working on my craft and helping people. And not you know, even when I would get these media projects, I wouldn't really capitalize off of them. Because I think I, I was more about not selling myself. It was more about the integrity of my work. But I do realize... So I do think there's some, there's some truth to that, that I've been a bit, bit of a reluctant person in that, that level. And I like my privacy and things of this sort. But I, I think that, you know, it's interesting this year, I made the decision to finish the book and get published and, and get out to the large audience and, and, and expand, you know, my outreach to people so that people who don't know about this can get helped you know, in the way that I can. So I do think that's true. Yeah. And I I love what you said about, I love what you said about things coming to you. So for everyone listening, Josh is a five, one sacral generator. And as a generator, you are really designed to have this magnetic aura that attracts things to you. So even though you're someone who's really here to initiate change in people's lives and just be this person that is a total catalyst in their growth, even though you're really designed to initiate people through that way, you're designed to allow things to come to you magnetically and to kind of sit Mm -hmm. back and allow your aura to do its work for you. And anytime where you're really pushing for something and striving for something and it feels kind of off, like that's usually because it is. As a generator, you are allowed to just sit back and receive and then respond with your body when something comes to you and it just lights up your being um, coming from that sacral center 
center. It gives you just this hell yes. You feel energized towards it. That's your body indicating that that thing is right for you. And now you might also magnetize opportunities that your body is just kind of turned off and you have a lack of energy. But in your mind, it's like, this makes so much sense. I should do this. I should want it. But my body just doesn't. Um, And that's because as a sacral being, you're really designed to listen to that. Your body's kind of energetic response to things is always guiding you. So you are someone who can be very dedicated to your work over time and have a consistent amount of energy to work on something, but only when you're truly lit up by it. And if you're not actually interested in something, you do not have a consistent amount of energy to pour into that thing. So it's so important that you're really following that. Um, But generators over time can become a total master of their craft. They can really lock in when your body finds this one thing. It's like you could go on and on for for hours and it almost energizes you to work on that thing that you're lit, lit up by versus draining that battery. Yeah. Totally. There, there have been there have been opportunities I've definitely turned down over the years. I didn't think were consistent with what I was trying to do. You know, I'm trying to. What's really important to me is that I want to bring a certain level of credibility and integrity to this space. And I think you know, of course, over the years, maybe I, you know, I should have. Some part of me said I should never done that History Channel show. You know, <laughs> my my poor mom was like, "You have to do it, honey. You have to." You know, um, but. Uh, I mean, there's some things that I, I look back and say, why did I do that? But, you know, there's there's a there's a fine line there. I, I think the idea is that um, I want to maintain a certain, it's important for me for, for there to be this sort of integrity and also um, selling, you know, when people sell themselves, it's, marketing is one thing and selling yourself. I don't want to sell myself. What I want to do is bring this information out and let it speak for itself. Yeah. And, and there's certain types of opportunities that I've had that just, I wasn't consistent with, with that. And, um, and this, and I've learned, you know, some, sometimes I've learned the hard way, but I'm, I'm now very clear about my path and about what, how I want to bring this information out in, in the way that I think is best and, um, and keep sort of my path in the way that I believe it should be kept so that I can reach out to a larger audience. And so I think all this is, resonates with me. Yeah. Know? It's really interesting because human design is, is, on one hand, showing you how to be present and navigate right now, this moment in front of you and how to use your energy to increase your magnetism and work with it versus against it, all of those things. And then on the other side, it's showing you, here's your gifts, here's your natural genius, here's your purpose and and um, what you're here to kind of be in the lives of everyone around you, but also what you're here to be for yourself and the lowest expressions and the highest expressions. And so that's all really interesting, but it has to be paired with for human design to really work that present navigation system of in this moment, how is my energy designed to operate? And as a sacral generator, it's all about being guided by that turned on or turned off energy. Like that energy of like, I'm just fucking into this. Like I want to eat this thing. That energy is like your compass. And if it's not there, if it's like, uh, I'm drudging through the mud to do it or like blah, it's whatever. That's kind of like, like, why are you even here? Kind of feeling of like, are you generators are not meant to go through life of like the, eh, I could. So sure. Like that's such a mm. boring blah life. But of course, most generators get trapped there because people are always asking you for things or expecting things of you or people pleasing can come in. And so, Really, the journey of a generator is taking back your own energy and like 
owning the fact that you are meant to be turned the fuck on by your life. Like, I want to devour this meal. I want to jump into this call. I want to go to eat with that person. I want to lead this course. Like that energy of just being so fucking in it. That's how you're designed to be. And it requires so much presence to be in that place. Because if you're future tripping or if you're dwelling on the past, then you're not in that moment, like ready to devour that thing, right? So you are kind of with your channels that you have, your different gifts. Presence is such a big part of the way that you impact people. You are able to think on your feet. You're able to say the thing that somebody just needs right then. And it's actually tied a lot to physical safety, for you of like knowing the, like, I need to call them right now, or I need to take this exit, or I need to, you know, I don't know, put this thing down. And so you have an ability with this gift to make people feel really safe in that aliveness of life. Like, I think a lot of times people can feel it's too scary or unsafe to be that into this or into that, or be that vulnerable or be that present. And you have this ability in your aura naturally to help people feel grounded, to help them feel safe, to help them feel like they can be seen by your, your super like penetrating things that you're going to share with them. So making people feel safe, helping people overcome their struggles or their setbacks, and then being this channel. Those are like the three main things in your chart that stand out the most because while you are this present generator who's meant to be this magnet, you also have this channel that's all about channeling like literally the mysteries of life or things just dropping into your field, the unknowable. This is very intuitive energy. Dana has the same gift. And anyone with this does. is meant to be <laughs> a channel. <laughs> and so it's like you're kind yeah. of this, I want to say this hybrid of like a a generator projector uh, with like a manifester vibe because of the, your cross of incarnation. So yeah. anyone that's listening, everyone that listens to our podcast, they're human design nerds. So we're going to post your chart in the show notes for people to just see your energy map um, because it's incredibly rare to have those kind of three energies of being somebody who's grounded and safe, but also deeply intuitive and wise and here to guide and being so impactful that kind of like shakes people out of their their complacency to really make change in their life. So special recipe. And I feel now that I've gotten to see your chart from the first call, I was like, I wonder, I need to know. And now that I see all these different numbers and your channels and everything, I'm like, oh my gosh, I knew. I just knew that there was a special recipe going on here. And you have such a strong mission in this life, Josh. Like you have this channel of struggle for any human design nerds listening. And the channel of struggle, if you're not standing up for what you believe in and making change in a big way and kind of an alternative way, like challenging the status quo and bringing in something that you genuinely believe in from a soul level and standing up against any flack that you get for that or any adversity, it's like you stand in what you believe in. And if you're not doing that, you will attract struggle in other areas of your life, in your relationships, in your relationship with yourself. But when you are standing up for what you believe in and facing adversity, that is your greatest power spot. And so you came in with a powerful and strong mission. A lot of times we see people with this that they can never work for someone else from day one because if they don't believe in the mission behind whatever they're doing, they're just like, I can't. You have this strong mission that is like burning within you and, and wanting you to be out there using your voice and teaching. You have such a powerful voice in your chart. 
I got to tell you, that's really profound. And that taps into a really deep thing. You, you see, my mother, who raised me, the academic, the Einstein, never fully uh, understood and for many years didn't even accept what I did because it was so out of bounds for her. Remember, she was a skeptic, a rationalist. She was in academia. Everything had to be proven. And she was also really, you know, my parents were quite old when they adopted me. So she's from the old country, right? The old German way of thinking. And um, I think that was a part of my wound. No question about it. There's this war on, I look I look at it today, war on truth. That's, that's the way I put it. This is, you know, some challenges that I see in society today is that um, the, these two side, you know, sides, the, the skeptics and the believers, right? And there's this old saying, and this is sort of my version of it, but the, for, for those that believe no evidence, you know, is needed for those that disbelieve, no evidence will suffice, right? Yes. Um, I forgot where that quote originally came from that I just butchered, but that's my version of it. But <laughs> essentially the idea is that I'm, I'm in this space where I'm using this mathematical code and so, uh, you know, those on, on the science world say, oh, I'm, I'm committing, you know, this crime because I'm, I'm using mathematics in a way that isn't consistent with, you know, science as we know it today, right? Except what I'm doing predates science as we know it today. You know, that's a, that's a scholarly historical fact that numbers and letters were utilized by the Greeks and the, and the Hebrews and it dates back to the Babylonians and things of this sort of using numbers in a mystical way. And, um, um, and then, so, and then, you know, there's others in this world who decide, you know, they use spirituality at times to sort of disassociate from their lessons. You know, um, we can use spirituality in a way to create this fictitious world where everything is all namaste without really facing, you know, the, you know, the shadow. Right. And so we want to believe what we want to believe when we take, you know, so I feel like I'm in this world where, um, I'm between these two, two areas. And what I'm, I'm, I'm what I'm trying to do is saying that, Numbers and a, a, me- a method can be used um, in, in, a, in a practical way for spiritual growth. And while we look realistically at who we are, you know, without interfering and telling people, hey, you should do this, we never interfere, but we give them insight into these things. But I do feel like it's, it's, it's a lesson and maybe even a struggle when I get out there, you know, with the book and start really putting this thing out in a larger way. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty certain that there's people are going to, you know, have, they're going to say what they're going to say. And, um, even with, with you guys, you know, you could get people saying, well, what is this, right? How does this work? What's, what's, what, what's the credibility behind this? And my, my take on is, does it work? Yeah. What I, what I just heard resonated with me and I think it's consistent with who I am. Right now, if it wasn't, I'd tell you, right. But, um, because people don't understand it, that doesn't mean that it, it, it must not be real just because you don't understand it, right? And so I think, so it is a struggle for me in the sense that I know I have to get out there and I have to be this voice and saying, look, guys, this stuff actually does work. It is credible. It is real. The method does have a certain level of accuracy to it. There are X factors that are, you know, you can't read in every situation, but that is a deep, lesson for me. And I think you touched on it right here. And I think it's a part of my purpose in order to, uh, you know, with a sense of strength and, um, and resolve to go out into the world and say, guys, it's time for us to look at these things differently than what we have before. Yeah. Yes. And it gives you so much meaning to your life to be able to take on a challenge and, uh, navigate it and stand up for what you believe in and have that mission. Whereas, you know, some people who have this gift, they don't, they're not connected to, what's important to them or 
um, what's worth standing up for or with their challenges. And so they subconsciously go seeking a battle in their relationships because they're trying to bring meaning there. Like what's wrong with us? There's got to be something that we can work on. What's wrong with myself? Like there's got to be something that I can pull apart and pick apart because that battle or that struggle brings meaning. And so I'm seeking meaning. So instead I'm creating this friction or struggle in my personal life. And when you have that connection to like, this was challenging and why? Like what's there? And how can I more advocate for what I really believe in and what this is teaching me and showing me? That's where you're channeling this energy. Because ultimately all of the gifts that you have they just want to be used. They're energy that's trying to express itself. So if you're channeling this in a way that is serving you and that is bringing meaning or uplifting you or uh, helping you give your purpose to the world, then it really is like this fuel in your tank that's like propelling you forward. Versus if you're not channeling it, it's trying to get used and it's going all over the place. And it's it can be really challenging because you're you're stuck in the cycle of trying to fix something that isn't really where your energy is wanting to be focused in the first place. So that big why of like, what will make the world a better place? Like, what do I really feel the world needs to be better? And you being able to see these two sides of this coin and see like, this is where we're struggling as a collective right now. And this is what's worth advocating for and standing up for and sharing and taking on that's channeling this energy. And it's really it's really awesome to see. But I definitely agree. There's so much room in any type of modality and in the spiritual community to bypass and just like disassociate, like you said. And I right. think it's it's important to look at the... I like to say the four expressions, like the low expression, the high expression, the inward expression, how you work with it with yourself and the outward expression, how you're giving this to other people to get a full understanding of, of how you can navigate with the, the information that you're receiving. Because if it's all rainbows and butterflies, it's like, okay, cool. I don't need to do anything. I'm perfect. I'm just going to like mosey through my life with my eyes half shut. Right. And if you're always ruminating on like everything, the shadow side, then you're not having any movement in that, you're just kind of stuck there. And if you're only working with it within yourself, then you're not really living your purpose, what you came here to do. And if you're only working with it outwardly, then you're kind of fake. And you're you're not walking the walk, you're just talking the talk. So it's like you need all sides of those spheres or of the sphere, if you will, with your gifts. But I just, I love that human design gives this lens, but I know that numerology also gives this lens. And it's just fucking, it's a trip to me. It's so, it's so interesting. I just wanted to say, the last thing I had to say, Josh, is that your profile in human design is a five one. So there's two numbers there. The one is the investigator. So you are someone who is deeply curious and you study, you are a scholar in this lifetime. You read yes. everything on planet earth that there is to read. And there can be this like fear that I'll never know enough um, at certain points in your life. But really the lifelong learner is here to become an authority in your field. So like you're at the stage in your life now where you're really experiencing that authority because you've done so much research, but you'll always be someone who's wanting to learn more and get your hands on every piece of knowledge. And you also have this five line, which we call the heretic in human design. I wanted to mention this because 
the heretic has heretical views, like someone who is here to be against the grain, but offering actual solutions to global issues. Every single person that you see is having this issue with not understanding themselves or not accepting this about their purpose or their fate or whatever it is. And so you're here to solve those problems in a totally different way. And if those solutions that you provide are not practical and they don't work, people can burn you on the stake kind of energy. So it is, there can be a lot of heat for you to make sure, is this practical? Does it work? And so I love that you have the wisdom of like, that's the most important thing. And since I know that it works, now I can confidently share this with the world as a true solution that's going to help the entire planet. And your energy with this five line, you are someone who is really designed to have this magnetic pull where you really attract people and your voice has this allure and this mystery. And you're someone who's really able to influence strangers. Like people hear you once and they're drawn in where Shana and I actually have a different energy. We're designed to build like long-term cozy, close relationships. And those are the places where we thrive the most in sharing our gifts, but you can share your voice once and put yourself out there and people will flock to you. So it is so important for you to put yourself out there. And I wanted to say that these two energies within your life purpose, the one of the investigator, the investigator can get you stuck sometimes because you're still researching all the things that you want to write, for example, in your book. And But it is the five line is like, I need to get my voice out there and I need to share my voice in a big way so that I can impact strangers and help solve these universal global issues that I'm seeing. Um, so I just wanted to highlight that. I love that you're so in alignment with this. I feel like any five one listening, which we have a lot of five ones who listen to this podcast, I think they're going to be so inspired by just witnessing you because you do not mess around. I can feel it's like, if this isn't practical and I don't know hundred percent that this is helpful, I'm not going to share it. And so everything you yeah. share just has this groundedness that it just, it just works. And I think that it's really, really powerful to witness you. Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> And then uh, that's all we wanted to say about your human design. So I'm sure there will be more <laughs> weaved in throughout this conversation, but we just couldn't help I, ourselves. I, I, I definitely, I, I definitely connected this, uh, you know, this this archetype of the heretic, right? But you know what's so interesting? If you study uh, history, as far as you know, what a heretic is, a heretic is is just somebody who who is going against the prevailing thinking at the time, and right. the people, the prevailing thinking probably, you know, got to where it was in, in control of the knowledge, usually through war or other means that probably aren't necessarily associated with because it was better or, or better for people, right? So a heretic is, is, uh, is, you know, that's all conditional based on what's, what, what is it the heretic from, right? What is it? So um, I think the idea is what is your, what it mo- motivates you and, and, um, you know, and uh, your integrity and what's important to you and what you're trying to do, right? So are you, are you a rebel without a, a cause or are you saying things need to change? I think things do need to change in society. I really do because I think we're, you know, there are many challenges that are unique today in modern society. But I, I really believe that if people started to understand themselves better and started taking the action to um, investigate, you know, what they're here to learn, and how they're here to grow and evolve as a person that makes the world a better place for everyone, one person at a time. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. Right. So if that's being a heretic, then I'm I'm glad to take take on that that uh that <laughs> moniker. Right? Yeah, that word so, is um, striking. Um, it's meant to be. 
Um, but there's the other side of it that, you know, depending on who you're helping is the savior, right? The heretic or the savior. It depends on how history is going to paint you. But it's kind of knowing that you're here to provide those solutions. And if you're grounded, you're not going to be burnt at the stake. Um, But if you're not, and you're just like operating out of a place of ego, then it, and like not investigating and learning and really trying to help people, then you, you will. Um, But that's always a lesson to kind of uh, navigate like, oh, I just burnt my reputation with that person. Like, okay, well, I actually wasn't even thinking about what I was teaching them or sharing them. I was just people pleasing and now I wound up here. But then the flip side of that, really owning it and claiming it, it's like you get to help a lot of people. And there's that magnetism, like Dana said, that brings people in to learn from you. Right. Well, like I said before, when you go out into the world and you're you're, um, exposing information that people have never heard of before, or they might be skeptical about, you're going to get a certain amount of pushback. Right. And, um, and you have to be ready for that, you know, and you have to understand that and I, I'm being raised by a voracious skeptic. I understand what skepticism is. The problem is, is that just as much as some may erroneously call this pseudoscience, we also have pseudo skepticism today. And I talked about this before about people who say, well, because I don't believe in that. I have no research. I have no evidence, but because I'm playing the role of skeptic, that that somehow means that gives me some sort of instant credibility. And um, I think we need to be more educated as to where this information comes from. And that can be done by looking at things historically and, um, uh, and, and, and understanding that, you know, our religious doctrines also have a lot of numerology littered in it and all, in all the main religions today. And again, that's, you know, very much a historical fact, mm-hmm. right? Um, where, where numbers were used in an allegorical symbolic way or that names were associated with certain numbers, right? And, and that may, that didn't just, that wasn't in just ancient pre, pre-Christian or pre-Judaism you know Judaism times. Um, it, it also was littered within in both growing up in a, you know, a Jewish family. And, and I can tell you there's, there's a lot in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament related to numerology. It isn't this out-of-bounds thing. It's only, I, I just feel, well, I think it like this. How can we know Pythagoras from the Pythagorean theorem in our math class, right? But we but we're not taught the higher elements and the philosophy that Pythagoras taught. Why is that? I mean, if if, if he has the credibility, you know, um, as one of the first sort of you know originators of you know geometry or mathematics and things of this sort, you know, whether he's a historical figure literally or or you know allegorically, but the stories are that he sort of studied with the great teachers at his time. And, and we, to this day, 2,500 years later, we go to school and we study the Pythagorean theorem, A squared plus B squared equals C, C squared, right? But, but we're not taught that these, that these numbers have a, you know, a divine essence to them, mm-hmm. that they are symbolic of greater forces. Why is that separated from our schooling? Yeah, I mean... Everything in our schooling is so one-sided in that way and has been stripped from any of the beauty and divine order. And it's like anything that's even, I feel like in school you're taught if something's imagination or just a feeling or just intuitive, like any of these things, it's like, it doesn't belong in academia at all. 
and academia right. is only, you know, these certain things that have no greater meaning behind it. And we've been sort of like brainwashed to discredit anything that has a divine connection or that makes you feel or your own internal um, connection. Like even when you see a number, we all can are awakening to the fact that you feel something when you see a number, even there's an energy there. And we're so we're taught to be disconnected from that because of the things that were taught in our schooling. But, but, but that wasn't what was taught in ancient times, predating modern science. And, and why are we extracting certain elements of what Pythagoras or that school at Crotona, you know, um, what he taught? And, and, uh, and why are we sort of saying, well, we don't talk about the other stuff, yeah. right? Well, well, the reason being is, is that, um, you know, science is limited in its ability to, to look at, you know, elements that aren't absolutely measured in a very specific way. But that, my, my argument is that doesn't prove or disprove anything. And I would say that um, uh, the origins of mathematics are inter- are related to, right, some of these mystical thoughts and ideas, right? So, um, and, and again, that I can, I can show that I can prove, I talk about that in my book, you know, in sort of the origins of numerology. And um, so I don't call numerology a, a science. I, I did at one point um, because it predates science. And science has very specific rules as to what it is today. I think that in and of itself, that doesn't discredit it at all, at all, that it's not in, in accordance with these restrictive things. Science, by the way, every 30 years or so realizes, oh, shit, we found new information yeah. <laughs> that... We were completely, completely wrong yeah, before. <laughs> we were completely wrong. And by the way, during those 30 years, if somebody came out with sort of a theory that went against, you know, the orthodox in the scientific world were, you know, cast aside, you know, as a quack and attacked viciously and so on and so forth. And then, oh, sorry, I guess you were right. Yeah. Right. So, so, and, and again, I'm not anti-science. I love science and I, I respect for science, um, just like I have respect for spirituality. Um, but I think, I think the idea, again, the namaste crowd who's like, oh, everything's wonderful, fantastic and great. And I refuse to look at my shadow is not in accordance with what I consider to be legitimate spirituality, where we're really transforming and growing and evolving as a soul, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, the science is like, oh, spirit doesn't exist, right? When I was wow. in Ojai, which I frequent all the time, it's where I go to uh, every few months. That's like my spiritual oasis, uh, um, about an hour and a half from Los Angeles. I visited the Theosophical Society headquarters, and I had this conversation that was really powerful um, with this elderly woman and this guy who happened to show up around the time I did. We all sat down in the lobby together and we had this two-hour conversation and he was coming from a point of science and we're talking about the soul. And he's saying, well, science says that, you know, the soul is probably, you know, a consciousness that exists, you know, in in the brain, the cerebral cortex or some, it's a physiological thing. And when a person dies, it ceases to exist. Right. And I said, "Do, do you have actual evidence to prove that? He's like, well, no, it's just, it's a theory. Theory. I said, well, <laughs> right. Yeah, because you'd have to die and then you'd have to, you know what I mean? Yeah. And what's so interesting about that is how many, what's interesting is, is how do you measure that, right? You do, do you know what, what happens, you know, at that point? Is that a conclusive, scientifically proven? And they don't know. I'm saying that's what their belief is. But then we've had all these cases of people who had out-of-body experiences and very similar experiences, seeing white lights and did all these things. 
And so I said, if we look at the evidence, whether it be circumstantial or not, it points to something more than what you're saying. If you look at the case studies of people who've reported what happened to them, there's, you know, thousands of people who've said that they've had these experiences when they were, you know, technically dead for two minutes or something or a minute and came back, you know, from life or or near death experience, if you want to call that. Right. And um, so it's just interesting. I I, I think going on to the world, the idea is opening up people's minds, coming from a person who's I, I'm I you know have all my faculties. I'm a very rational, you know, grounded person. I was raised by an academic, and everything had to be proven. So I understand the mindset. I think we need to get out and start seeing you know life differently. Because all I know is this: I've got 25 years of doing this. That's a quarter century. I've got thousands of sessions. And I've seen correlations in people's lives in these numbers that are unmistakable. And I have to ask myself, why is that? And it leads me to believe, I, I have my own theories, but my theories are based on my case studies, right? And so if someone said, well, I don't believe that, I said, but you don't know. You literally, it, you don't know. <laughs> you literally do not know. And so... So anyways, I think the idea is, I resonate with all this because I know I have to get out there and... and, um, and and, and explain this to people, and and yeah, you're, it's heretical in the sense that it's controversial, and it, it and some people may or may not buy into it. But you know, someone, an old wise woman, told me many years ago that my job isn't to be have everyone accept me um, or, or or love me or get me. She said it's never going to happen, right? And 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 let this be, you know, great wisdom for everyone else listening right now. Your job is to, you know, do your passion and get out and help the people that you can. And for the, you know, those that have the the ears to listen and the eyes to see and do your best. And that, that, that is what you're here to do. And anything that you do, you go out into the world and you do your passion and not everyone is going to accept or like you and people are going to say things, you know, it's just that today there's so many people are, are critics, right? And, um, and I think, I really think it's because people are, I think there's a lot of unhappiness out there. I think that's why there's a lot of, you know, haters and, 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 and people criticizing people online. I think it's because we're very unhappy and we're lost. And I think we've been sold a bill of goods as to what's important in life. And I think people have, have you know, we, we've hurt ourselves with that. And I think it's time for people like you guys and, and other people to come out and say, let's help each other to reconnect to our soul's mission and awaken and start to recap, reclaim who we are as opposed to getting caught up in this matrix that we're living in that I think is not serving people that well. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's this, um, you know, we're all so conditioned, like when we look at zoom out on our whole collective and everybody's in so much pain and um, so conditioned and so bitter and so just projecting their shit on other people and, you know, the comments and the just the chaos of all of that, I think does come from this place of like being sold this narrative and this conditioning and it's not serving you and it's not working. And so life's fucked. Everything's fucked. Fuck you. Fuck this. Fuck it all. And I'm not going to do anything to change it because this is life and this is just how things are. And this is just where we're at. And I do think that in the coming years, (laughs) centuries, maybe even, there's so much that we're going to be learning through exploring our consciousness and our the 
I feel like we just scratched the surface with what our consciousness is capable of doing and what our consciousness is. And, you know, there's, I think there's going to be a lot of studies that are coming out around consciousness and, and, you know, trying to measure it and trying to see, you know, what's happening and what, how it can impact your life and, and how it changes your life. And, and obviously in the spiritual community and, and different modalities, people are experimenting with that on their own and doing their own personal case study of, okay, let me experiment with this and see, does this work? Is it meaningful? Is it helping me? And they, they prove it to themselves. Like, okay, this is, this is really helpful. And there's this limitless well within consciousness for power to change your life, but also to access information that isn't necessarily here right now in this time that we're all incarnated. And you know, what you're sharing about, you know, we don't have the tools or resources or knowledge to measure some of these things that are unknown right now. Um, so we're just not going to believe that that's true. And then science later had develops those tools and they're like, oh shit, sorry, you were right. That happened with Ra. He channeled from the voice that neutrinos pass through everything all the time and they pick up a bit of information and they deposit a little bit of information. And at the time, it was just that neutrinos exist, but they don't pick up any information. There's no mass that they're picking up at all. They're just passing through everything. They're this dark matter and they're not sharing information. And then like, I think it was like 10 years later, science then was like, oh my gosh, neutrinos, they pick up a bit of mass and they leave a little bit behind and they're sharing information and communicating with us this chi or this dark matter that's running through everything all the time. And so it's like, how could he know that in a scientific way? And literally he channeled it. And so I think that it's interesting because you have the same cross of incarnation as Ra, this clarion, um, where there is this energy of like, this shit isn't measurable, but how can I, but like it almost has always been measurable and it's like has always been there, but we're disclaiming it or, or we're, uh, what's the word? Like not discrediting that, it. discrediting it. Thank you. As, um, truth. And then you have all these experiments and you have all of this uh, field research that's really backing you up. So I do think that we're going into this era of exploring the unknown and being open to figuring out and experimenting with and shifting our lives based off of the unknowable and that it takes leaders willing to talk about all of this, um, to open people's eyes, to start questioning things and to start seeking internally versus like expecting externally the world to tell you who to be or how to be or what to be. Um, but really to right. go internally and find those answers yourself. Yeah. Because you're taught, you know, you go out into the world and you're taught, Oh, if I can make a lot of money in a career and get status, right. If I can achieve a certain amount of success that validates me as a person, if I have the finances to buy nice things that that's going to, you know, because that's where, you know, and go on expensive vacations and things like that. And again, I think yeah, people, I'm not against people doing well in life and enjoying the good things. You know, I like it, but I, if that's defining you, you've got a problem because you're going to wonder why it is that you don't, right? And then your relationships are based on also some sort of expectation, right? Um, that if I have this kind of a mate and, you know, you know, this is taking, you know, that kind of approach to life. And, um, you know, again, you're being sold a bill of goods. You're, that is not going to make you happy. 
that's not going to do it for you. And I should know because I have clients all over the world who are extremely successful and wealthy and who are, you know, some of them are very unhappy and lost. So we know those things don't fulfill people, right? And, um, you know, the other things that, you know, you were talking about um, when it comes to what science is showing, I mean, we have quantum physics today. And, um, you know, we had that experiment that came out some years ago where a particle, it, you know, appeared and disappeared based on what if, if someone was viewing it or not. Yeah, right? the split theory, it, 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 the it, double it, split split theory. Yeah, yeah. I'm obsessed right. so, so, with that. <laughs> right, right. So I mean, these things are like, well, you know, explain that to me, right? It's, that's, it's interesting. Either the particle exists or it doesn't. It shouldn't, you know. So other things and you know that i've seen in other aspects of science today are touching on some of these um aspects and starting to be more experimental and i think and i think you're right in decades from now i think we're going to start to realize that it was always more reasonable to believe that the divine exists that this is all not just a mistake or just some explosion that took place without any reason behind it right i can i can buy into the big bang theory because i think there's evidence for it but that doesn't mean that i don't think there's a divine purpose behind the big bang yeah right we we don't have to be at war with science right we can we you know i i understand that the you know the the earth is round i get it and i understand that there's you know all these subatomic particles bouncing off each other but you know there's also a particle called as they style it the god particle that does seem to have an intelligence to direct and connect to other particles and slow them down and affect them and, and give them information what to do. What's driving that particle, right? You know. Um, so, anyways, I want to get on a, a, a tangent and all that kind of thing. I I just think that ultimately, I, I think we're heading into a world where we're going to start to realize that consciousness is a thing, and a soul is an energy an aspect. Uh, and that maybe we can't measure that completely now, but maybe one day we can. Who knows? Yeah, Who knows? I know. I'm, I feel like I'm experiencing that in a um, future life, <laughs> but that's yeah. happening all right now. <laughs> like it, it is right. happening, um, but just not in this current reality. <laughs> Let's do you guys, shall we? Yes. Yes. We're so all right. excited. All right. So here's what's interesting. Uh, both of you, so there's six numbers in the chart, right? Most, some people have five, but most people have six. Three of the numbers sort of describe characteristics that you were born with, qualities you possess, you know, your natural ability number, which represent talents that are innate to you, your, your inner drive, what motivates you in life, your personality number, how people view you. Now, all these numbers are very important. And, and in order to do a full chart, you have to look at those numbers. But the other three numbers take precedence because that's the developmental part of the chart, which is what I call, you know, but that's a fancy term to say, this is the shit you're here to learn, right? (laughs) Now, um, I break it up into a life path number, um, which is derived solely from your birth date, and usually two numbers in what I call the ultimate goal position. And um, now all but three numbers really need to be looked at as, you know, together as a team, but it does seem that the ultimate goal numbers are a little bit more profound and take longer to understand, a little more, you know, unconscious. And um, you will attract people in your life and certain Shakespearean dramas that reflect back these, you know, these numbers and less. These numbers are just sort of symbols of what your lessons are and what you're here to ultimately integrate. So there, there, there does seem to be wounds that are given to you at birth. They are, they are actually now whether that is chosen by the soul or that's part of karma or these things, you know, those are mysterious 
questions to, to, to uh, ask and they're rhetorical questions. Who knows? It's, it's whether it's true or not, whether it works. I, I have a feeling it's all part of some master plan, right? And um, the idea here is that there are going to be certain dynamics that are going to be present in your environment. Now, that does dovetail a little bit with mainstream psychology. Because, you know, a psychologist always says, you tell me about your childhood. <laughs> They're trying to figure out how, you know, even in the best of families, mommy and daddy screwed you up in some way. Right? Yeah, right. And it's unavoidable, right? So, um, and there's an interesting, you know, again, there's some similarities here between you two. There's a slight difference um, in other aspects. Obviously, you're two different people, but there's there's definitely some some connections here. But um, uh, the life path, I think we learn a little bit sooner. I, and I think we utilize that in our career easier than our ultimate goal members, right? And although some seem to play out their ultimate goal lessons more in their career and others more in their relationships, right? So, however, you will attract people into your life and what they reflect back to you is, is an, either an imbalance, right? So too far this way or too far this way, or a, a mirror or a projection, if you will, right? So a disown, if you're going to disown this aspect of yourself because this wasn't, you know, promoted, you didn't get this growing up, Right. Um, this is a part of you that maybe you look for in others, right? Or um, um, you might do something in your work that's similar to what it states as far as what an integrated version of that number would be. Maybe you work with people like that or part of what you do. We see that a lot. But ultimately, um, the people that connect to their higher purpose, which is usually through the ultimate goal numbers, have done some level of work. They've had some growth in their life. And they realize that in order to really be happy, they need to, you know, exercise these qualities, right? So to the degree that you're still working on this, you will, you know, attract these, these dramas in your life, right? That help you to objectively see what your lessons are. Of course, we don't know that at the time. We think all this is random. And these patterns can reassert themselves and play out like a broken record, right? In psychology, they refer to sort of the wound, re, you know, recreating or reconnecting um, or attracting it is called, you know, they refer to it as repetition compulsion, that there's this compulsive need for the wound to come through and heal itself through these interactions with others. And, and I used to talk about this with my former therapist years ago about how seemingly magical it was that we happened to just exactly attract people to trigger us in a very specific <laughs> way, right? Yes. And uh, remember, you know, I have case studies. I've got over 20,000 sessions underneath my belt. So it's not a theory to me anymore. I think it's, to me, it's, I've seen it so much, right? Now, where you are in your path, part of what I do is I go back in time and, and look at these numerological cycles that change from year to year and they work in nine-year cycles, right? So there are certain numbers that I know are more than likely going to reflect or connect to your wound or your lesson. And depending on where you are in the process, you might attract certain dynamics that reflect that lesson during that time frame. Also, any nine year, which is the ending of a nine year cycle, and that'll fall in different years, will also, you know, be a good, you know, opportunity to check in with the person and ask them certain questions about that year. And I'm going to do that for, for, for both of you. Now, what's interesting about you guys is that you run the same cycles as far as the one through nine. So they, so they are, you're constantly, for example, you're both in a six, about to go into a seven year. So when I go back to it, to your last nine year, it's going to be the same year for both of you. Right. So, um, and, and there's some similarities and, and some, some differences. And so we know, you know, sometimes back in the day when I used to do events and part or, or private parties, 
And um, we would see similar numbers with people because they're all friends and they're working some in the same industry or they all have a connection to each other. You guys are partners in crime in this thing. So it's not shocking to see some similar numbers. But uh, remember, um, uh, we look back at cycles, go back in time, there is, you know, a, a growth and and maturity and understanding that transpires over these years, right? Since the last time you're in that cycle, because every cycle comes around every nine years, right? So for example, Shannon, you, I'm going to go back to, I'm not just yet, but I'm going to go back to 2014, 2015. And then, um, and then we're going to talk about now, but, um, so, uh, and we're going to talk about what you're going through during that time frame, right? You both were in your nine cycles in, in 2017, right? So that's going to be important. We're going to ask questions about that. The reason I'm going to ask you questions is I actually don't know exactly what happened to every person on, on you know, on the billions of people on planet earth at every juncture in their life. And if I did, believe me, the CIA would kidnap me and, um, and they'd be using me for nefarious things. Right. So, um, but, um, um, what we're looking at is is um, a fact-finding mission. Oh, yes, I have a, a um, an inkling, right, about some of the possibilities that may have occurred. And I will ask targeted questions based on that because I'm trying to determine where you are in your path of learning and growing into these numbers. Now, I can tell you that, you know, what you guys are doing, you know, is consistent with your charts, so which isn't shocking. Just so you know, when people contact me, I have absolutely no idea who they are unless they are a huge celebrity which I actually are not overly fond of doing because they know that I know who they are. Totally. Yeah. And if I see something in the chart and maybe that part of that was out in the, maybe in the press about them, right. Then I always feel uncomfortable with that because we you feel know, the same so, way. <laughs> with yeah, that, that's, why, that's why I don't, I don't, I don't love that. Right. So, but usually there's information that isn't rightly available, you know, that's because this can dig very deep into a person, right? So, and a perspective, but uh, usually I know nothing, right? But I'm going to talk about how you guys are similar, but somewhat different. But what's interesting to start off with using that life path number is you're both nines. Now, in real numerology or, or what I call accurate numerology, we have to use the double digits, right? So there's always a double digit that added down to that single digit. So... Dana, you're a 36.9, and Dana, you're a 45.9. And um, they're both nines, and there's going to be similarities there, but they're going to be slightly different, right? So let me start off with here. Again, I could do three hours with each totally. of you very easily. <laughs> and by the way, people who are listening to this who had sessions with me, because I did get a fair amount of sessions last time um, from people that listen to this podcast, they know um, that, uh, um, is, you know, that when I when it comes to these numbers, right, these double digits um, are important, and they they do make a difference, right? Now, what is a nine? So nines are you know classic empathetic, um, sympathetic. Um, usually wants to do something on a social level, wants to reach out to the world, that kind of a thing. Uh, nines, of course, um, uh, are going to be a people person in the sense that they're here to deal with the public, masses, groups of people, and things of this sort, right? Now, every nine has a tendency to be uh, to take on a little bit more other people's stuff, just by virtue of the fact that they have that compassionate energy. Um, the difference between the thirty-six nine, which is Shana, and the and the forty-five nine is this: the thirty-six nine. We talked about the the, the pleaser. Maybe when they were younger, may have projected an, an idealized. And I'm going to talk to you, Shana, a lot about idealism, because you were very idealistic, right? Now, I've always said that 
if we didn't have idealism, you wouldn't have such incredible things in the world. Like idealism can can connect to visionary work, right? As to what could be. And and um, you know, when you look in your chart, part of your ultimate goal number is a six. Now six has always two major channels, and one of them is service helping, which is the work you do. But there's another aspect of it, and that is the, you know, um, we call it uh, the art, the aesthetic, the design, the beauty, creativity, the visual, right? That can also be an element of the six because we can envision. So some are more in one direction and some are more in the other direction. But I always say add a little bit of both to what you do, right? But the 36.9 initially in life when they're growing up, the six is the three is how you express yourself, and the six is an idealized version about you know how you know the bestest, nicest version of who you are. You know, it's, oh Sheena, she's fantastic, she's wonderful, oh, she's great. And a lot of that, you know, again with the nine there, which is how people view us in the, in the group, can cause us to present a uh, a version of ourselves that we think would be more acceptable. And so um, we're very consciously aware of how we're being and how we're talking and if it is you know consistent with this idealized picture and we and when we dig a little deeper and you you know one of your ultimate goal numbers is a 24 6 so that is one of the more idealistic numbers that you can have no matter what the dysfunction is in the family the six always has this either the the family itself or the person responds to it with this idealized picture Right. So we call it putting a fresh coat of paint over everything, you know, the cracks in the, in the wall. Right. There is a all sixes have a kind of conditional form of love that they're learning to work through. And so if the idealized picture is, you know, um, playing your role in your part and doing all the right things and all the good things so that you are a part of this idealized picture, even in, you know, in cases where you felt like, oh, I, I feel like my parents love me a lot. And but what's the you know sort of the the underbelly of that is is that we're performing for love you know we're doing our role and that can get really interesting how that works because we 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 don't know this that going out later in life is that we may find that being the helper and doing things and being kind and correct and and proper and doing the right thing is is attached to how we get love and it is a form of performance for love right and we realize that we have to develop an internal level of security. Now, security is a huge issue with 24-6. Specifically, you know, one of the factors, six rules home, right, in the domestic fear. Having a home, a comfortable home, a home base, a secure base is so important. And six is very much attuned to family and relationship. It's very important for them um, to have that to feel secure, right? Um, now, you have two 16-7s. And that's where it gets really interesting because those are, you know, when I was reading about, you know, these karmic numbers back in the day in the 90s, these four numbers that these numerologists pointed out, 13, 14, 16, and 19, uh, they said, oh, if you had one of these numbers that there's some karmic debt that you needed to learn and you need to work through it. So um, I don't, I said that's sort of the traditional view of it. I have a different understanding of it from my experience, but Let's just say six is is what you want to see again with that vision of and this ideal of how things can be, um, and that's seeing the best in things, right? And then there's the seven, which is you know real spiritual truth, which I've told you before isn't just namaste; it also is reality factors in life as to what things really are. And when you have a combination of six and seven, 
there, there's going to be some deep lessons in your life as you become more aware of the truth. And what I mean by the truth is the reality of who someone is or the not so pleasant things in life. You know, the things that conflict with the ideal, the things that shouldn't be, but are right. And so much in your life may revolve around, you know, seeing the best and having expectations and then working through a little bit of disappointment from time to time as to being disappointed in a person or disappointed in an outcome. Um, and you can go through a little bit of these wake up calls as to what you were expecting and hoping and viewing what can be. Now, my mother had that, whose name is Dana, by the way, my birth mom. And um, um, so, um, and she was very idealistic and she was a visionary and she was very talented. Um, and she was a tremendously beautiful soul, extraordinary woman. Um, but she did set herself up from time to time in situations where uh, what she had expected in other people turned out not to be the case. And sometimes that can feel like disappointment. And sometimes issues involving trust being broken can, can manifest from that, right? And so trust is a very important lesson for you. Um, and there may have been some cases going on and getting even deeper that even though there's this idealized picture growing up, there might have been some things that were not kosher that happened that sort of are counter to the ideal that we're taught not to look at. We don't discuss these things. Um, or if we do, we don't get too far into it. So you were inadvertently taught not to see the pink elephant in the room. <laughs> right? Totally. So, so what happens, you go out into the world and you're doing all the right things. And you have a view of what can be. And you want to help. And you want to share. But there are things that are happening around you um, that uh, maybe a little bit of warning signs like, hey, maybe, you know, you shouldn't be dealing with this person or maybe this isn't good. I, you know, maybe you're being a little too unrealistic as to how this is going to go down. And we're taught to, to go, oh, that's OK. Everything will work out great. And then when it does, doesn't, it can be quite a shock. And disappointing. And that's because you were taught not to see things that are inconsistent with the ideal. And that was a part of the coping mechanism, the defense mechanism of the environment growing up. If we could just sweep that on the carpet, we don't have to look at that. So um, so you're here to, to accept the truth of things, which can be at times life, there's some ugly things of life. But as my mom said before she passed away in 2020, um, I said, I told her that I, her passing away was so traumatic to me because she was always the most positive person. I said, but there's such terrible things in this world. How can I you know, live without, you know, this love and, and positivity that you always give me. She says, yes, but there's many beautiful things in the world as well. Don't forget that. Right. So this is a profound lesson for you. Um, because um, you're here to learn to accept that there, there is a pink elephant in the room sometimes, and you may have to acknowledge that. So they don't move forward and set yourself up for disappointment or even your, your trust being broken. Right. Because if, if, you, if you don't, what happens is, is that we're fighting with, we're, we're creating this battle and we're, we're playing it out, right? And um, in our lives. And uh, now, of course, relationship is very important to six, six rules, love and relationship and family. So your significant other and the family, all these things are so important to you. And you may, of course, take on a lot of responsibility to make sure that everything is good and fantastic and wonderful and great. Look, I, I already can tell you're fantastic and wonderful and great, you know, 
um, you, you have that aura about you. I mean, there's kind there, there's there's this authenticity. There's it seems some you're genuine. You really do care. I mean, there's all these wonderful qualities, and I can see them. I can see them. I, I, I they do exist. So, and I think you want to make sure that your relationship lives up to that beautified picture. And and when things are gonna, there's gonna be you know problems and issues, as in all relationships are. Every single one, every last one of them. Um, you know, when my birth grandparents together for 65 years, and I thought they were, the, and they were still hot for each other into their 80s, and I said, my <laughs> God, if I could just have that kind of relationship in my life, and you know, like the movie The Notebook and all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, I cried at the beginning just with the music coming on. I was like, just such a, you know, and you know, all this stuff, um, it, you know, it's extraordinary. Right. But you may take on a lot of responsibility to make that when things aren't going right, that somehow it's on, it's on, on you to make it right. And you're going to take that responsibility. And that goes back to performing for love and making sure that you're making everything beautiful and correct and that everything's all right. You know, but at times, you, you know, you may be, you know, not seeing some things that need to be addressed, right? You may be just wanting to fix it. And so there are times in your life when you're going to experience some of these wake-up calls or realities to life that may may dispel some of the, you know, things, well, how you want to see things. And that can happen when you go from a six-year to a seven-year or or it can happen in a nine-year, right? Now, this is a long time ago, but you you went from a six-year to a seven-year in 2014 going into 2015. And your last nine year was 2017, right? So now, um, 14 to 15, right? Going, and it was a 24 six exactly going into a 25 seven. So it's not a 16, but it's, it's, it's enough. But what I'm asking you now, I don't know, it's quite a while ago. I get it. And you were pretty young because you're young now in my book. So I'm like, I don't even know how old you were then, you know, counting that. But, but, um, you know, so we have to think, in fact, you're pretty young, so we're not looking for anything necessarily overly dramatic because you were quite young at the time. But we also have to understand that you're in a six, you're about to go into seven year now. So I, I'm not, I, and so I, I, I want to draw a correlation between the two, even though it's not going to be exactly the same, it wasn't exactly the pe- same people. We're looking at things symbolically and dynamically. So if I could, if you if you remember, if you have, you know, Tell me what's going on from from fourteen to fifteen. What if there was a change in your relationship status, your home <laughs> during that time? If there was, what what were the dynamics that led to that? You yeah. know, what was the realization? What were you? What role were you playing in that relationship? And what were you trying to do? And what did you find out? Or what what yeah. came about? Wow, huge! This is huge. So, in twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen, um, I ended a five-year relationship that I was um, with this person. You know, we remodeled our home together. We, you know, had two cats. I also um, left a job that I'd been working at for four years where I was taking care of this woman with special needs, um, like very intimately. And I... So I literally... Ended that relationship, moved into my best friend's like bed because I had nowhere to go. It quit my job that same week, had no job, nothing. And in that same time, that was really when I decided to um, kind get of... Get into more of the spiritual aspect. Get into the more of the spiritual aspect, but also uh, cut off my relationship with my mom. And oh, wow. okay. I have a big, right. a big mother wound. And so um, it's... 
you know, you talking about the childhood and all of that, it really resonates um, where I didn't have a stable home at all. I, I always lived at my friends' houses and I did have to perform to get love. I was just talking about this on, I think a few podcasts ago where I felt I've been realizing recently how I love wasn't a guarantee growing up. It was like, if I want to be able to stay and like sleep and shower and eat at this person's house, their parents need to love me so much because I'm not their child. So I need to be like extra, like the star golden child, like never anything possibly wrong because that's the only way I'm going to have a stable home. And so... I definitely. And this goes into that security, that security wound. Yeah, you need security because you didn't feel secure growing up, and that you had to perform and be this fantastic, wonderful, perfect version of yourself to get love. Exactly. And during that time frame, now this is really fascinating. Okay, so um, this is why I love what I do. All right, so we talked about the potential for a change in home and a change in the relationship status. Now we, we knew there was a high likelihood of that, right? But the real issue behind it was, and, and and this also played out in what you were doing at the time in your work, because remember, you play out your wound in, your, in, in what you do in life as well in your personal relationships, right? You were taking, I said, that, you know, you're, you're going to be the helper, the caretaker, the giver. You're going to make sure everything is okay. And you were working with someone who has special needs or requires a lot of, you know, extra help and, and concern, right? So you were literally playing that role in your work I need you to tell me a little bit about, um, and I love the stuff about the, you know, um, the, 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 the realization about your mom, because, which I'll get to in a second, but I want to know, I need a little bit more information about this guy. I need to know what role you played in that relationship, what, how you were viewing it, and what led to the catalyst for you to realize that you can't go on any further in this, and what you were or were not getting in that relationship. Yeah. So um, <laughs> this relationship, I definitely was painting over with that paintbrush of idealism um, and not looking at the pink elephant in the room um, where there was no real intimacy or connection or vulnerability. I mean, we dated for like two years and we still hadn't said, I love you. And then we, you know, we had been living together at that point and, and all the things there was there was no um, vulnerability or depth. It was almost like going through the motions. And I think what I got out of that relationship was stability and um, having a partner who you know had a solid income and just felt really safe and stable and didn't need anything from me. Um, and security. security, security, yes, exactly. Okay. And, and I home. realized and a home. And I realized the the, the catalyst that kind of. Um, sparked that me leaving was I had, I'd been depressed for like a, a few years and I kept saying like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't know what I want. Like I'm depressed. And he just kept telling me like, you just need to exercise more. Like you just need to get some like basic, basic shit that was, had lacked any depth. That will do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then um, I went on like a, a, a weekend with my girlfriend and we like went cliff jumping and like went out on the town. I mean, I was 24 and I just was feeling like I'm fucking 24. Like I'm 24. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, like, I should be jumping off cliffs and like enjoying my life. But instead I'm like so depressed and I have a partner who just can't meet me at this depth to uh, at all. And like, this is just not my life. Like I'm living someone else's life and this is not my life. So I left and I literally said like, 
for six months straight. Like I, all I know is my name is Shana. Like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm working on. I don't know what I'm doing. I barely know where I come from because at this time I was also cutting off my relationship with my mom. And yeah, it was a huge, huge chapter or experience in my life where I I felt like I burned my whole life to the ground and then had to figure out who I am, what is what it is that I'm here to do and what I care about and what I deserve. And that started the process of you, you know, awakening to your to this path of yes, knowing absolutely. yourself. So so because remember these numbers are not here to hurt us, they're here to awaken us, right? Now what's so interesting about you know he was saying, oh everything is okay. You just need to exercise. So you, you, this is the matrix that we're going to, he's giving you the, like, talk about painting over the cracks with the fresh yeah. paint. We exercise <laughs> all this depression and all these deeper issues, which are permeating this relationship, which is a, a pseudo relationship because there's a lack of intimacy. A lot, you're not getting what you need. And you might ask yourself, well, why did I do that? And he said, because there's such a deep wound in you and receiving love, right? Without, you know, I'm enough as is. I don't have to do something for it, right? The 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 helping, assisting, supporting, you know, caretaking, which you were doing in your job at that time as well, right? What's amazing about that is that what's also going on, because remember these wounds are connected to your environment growing up. You're just reenacting them with this other person, right? And he was a perfect person to reenact with. This is why I say I talked about my, my, my therapist in it. And I said, don't you think it's kind of remarkable how people attract yeah. people that think the exact kind of wounding pattern is like, well, you know, it's the 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 wound that is emerging. And I was like, now nah, there's something more faded in this. Yeah. You know, one thing I just he was a, he was brilliant in many ways, but he was dead wrong about that. There, there, this is a part of the process, right? How did I know that the that there was these powerful things involving your home and your relationship? And we know that you had security issues growing up, and we knew what kind of relationship you probably would attract. That I know for certain, no, because I don't know everything. But gee, gosh, it was exactly the kind of yeah. dynamic we would expect. You were performing for a love and trying to get security because you just didn't have that growing up. Yeah. And you had created this fictitious relationship that didn't even exist. And then you had to go out and, you know, jump out of a plane to, to, to figure this out. <laughs> literally, yeah. Like, yeah, literally, right? So um, now tell me about the relationship with your mother. Um because we're looking at, you know, I talk about this, this Jungian thing called synchronicity, right? Remember, the wound is part of this karmic thing that we, happens in our earlier childhood development, right? Then we reenact, right? The, what they call repetition compulsion. I'm, you're playing out your numbers in my book, right? And then, of course, but that is all a, a replay. Remember, remember the broken record of repeating the wound. But interestingly enough, during that time, the six rules family as well, as I mentioned earlier, this was a, a, a wake up. Think about this. You had this relationship where your needs weren't being met, where you were just looking to get security, performing for love, doing all these things. And then out of that awakening, you realize, my God, this is a reconnect to how I was you know, raised in this connection, this relationship dynamic with your mother, right? This is the synchronicity of the original wound being played out in a, in, a, in a later relationship and then going back to the scene of the crime, as I call it, the original wound, and realizing and seeing that relationship in a new way. Because obviously that was a catalyst. That was a part of the time frame when you realized, I can't do this anymore with my mom. What happened there? And what, what, what led to that? What was the dynamic there? Yeah, so um, I always had a hard relationship with my mom because she 
I definitely believe she has a narcissistic personality disorder and also a lot of other mental health issues. Um, and so she's, you know, a very, um, growing up very verbally abusive and, and a hoarder and just all, all sorts of things. But, um, it's so interesting at this time in my life, I was, um, wrapping up college when I was still in that relationship and we had a class. I was just thinking about this this morning for the first time in forever. We had a class where we were all sharing like vulnerable stories, uh, like standing up and we would share something people don't know about us. And it turned into after 30 people doing it, everyone sharing like their wounding and everything. And it was the first time ever in my adult life where I talked about my mom and and when did this happen? This happened this in happened? that same time when I was like 23. Right. And okay. so I talked about my mom and uh my my situation growing up and how I'm scared to, you know, be a mom but also like I know that that's going to help heal this and 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 just everything there and and just talking about, you know, what I didn't receive growing up. So anyways, I just had talked about that for the first time in front of like a group of people. And, you know, still in this relationship with this person and then left that. And in throughout this whole time, you know, I was trying to mend the relationship with her with different letters and different things. And there's just so many times where she just completely disowned me throughout my life of like, you're not my daughter. You know, my daughter would never say this. Like, I never want to talk to you my whole life, like just random things. So this had happened several, several times. And then she had a stroke in this time. And there is just so much that happened. But I just had this moment where I was like, this is not my life. The, the same phrase that applied to my relationship, that applied to my job, um, also applied to my mom, which was just like, it's not my life. Like her wounding of, you know, her parents being suicidal. And so her having to quit her life to go take care of them. Like she was playing that out again with me with constantly telling me like, I'm the reason why she's suicidal or why she's, you know, whatever. And I have to come fix her. And I just had this point of like, you know, you've had a stroke and that's not my life. Like, I don't need to come take care of you. I don't need to come to the hospital. I don't need to come be your mom because you've never really been a mom to me. And, you know, I said, I said that to her and it just was like this moment of uh, breaking it off. And it, it felt really liberating um, versus like heavy. I think up until that time it felt heavy and like, okay, I have to work through this. And it just felt really liberating. It felt like really like, okay, whoa, I have, now what do I want to do? Once again, like, who am I? Where am I going? So that feeling of burning down my life up into that point and then getting to uh, figure out who I am and what's important to me, same theme with my mom as it was with my relationship. But it's, I guess I still have trouble wrapping my mind around the correlation between the people that I attract to give me security and like not having that as a child, um, but like lacking, like I try, I attract people that are very emotionally stable because I didn't have that as a child. I attract people who are very secure because I didn't have that as a child. But at the same time, I am very idealistic. Like I am an idealist 
to a T what you said, like visionary, best case scenario, I'm going to envision it. And, um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just have a lot to reflect on after you sharing this, but that, that time in my life, 2014, 2015 was huge. And it was like a reclamation, reclamation of who I am and starting from nothing though. So not shocking because that was your first, you know, at that time frame you were considered an adult, but that's your first adult six going into a seven cycle, but those being the most important lesson numbers in your chart. So we knew, and remember the seven, just so you know, um, in the tarot, the 16, just because you're a 16, seven, the 16th tarot card is the, is the, and people can, you know, who know about the tarot can look this up is the lightning struck tower. Mm. So this is the sort of the destruction of the, false world that we create, right? And the illumination that comes from that, right? So this is the tearing down of the this world that that our ego, when I mean the ego, I mean it sort of in a deeper way, our false self more than anything um, creates. And um, notice how your mom demanded that you perform for her and take care of her. Um, and that if you didn't, that you were essentially being such a bad person that that might kill me. Yeah, that's literally the theme of my life relationship with her like from the moment i can remember to even now so think think about how profound that is and even my cat is is responding to the story <laughs> but but think of think about this right you're so the idea is that it's a matter of life or death that you do the right thing that you take care of me that you you're this perfect daughter and remember your mother's suffering from forms of mental illness where there's nothing you can do to live up to that expectation because it's just, it's distorting, right? And so she's saying, I, I, I'm, there will be no security for you unless you do all the things I need you to do. And that's take care of me and be a perfect daughter and be, I, you know, all this stuff. So this is, it's a traumatic version of that number, you know. Um, all 24 sixes did not grow up with security. Either them or their family um, will, and, and I think that's what's so powerful about what happened that time. Remember, we, we, we cover up and we idealize things. We don't want to see them that way. So the idea of, of finally coming out and saying, this is the truth of my child and who, you know, my, my mother more than likely has mental illness. She suffered from depression and things like that. What you're doing is you're finally coming out and saying, this is the truth about my background. And, and we may be, you know, again, the, the idealizer wants to maybe tuck that away and, and not talk about it or identify with it. But during that time frame, you were able to wake up to the truth within yourself and share that truth with others. And that was liberating. And so we didn't have to idealize that everything was okay and everything would be fine. And, you know, if you exercise, all the depression will go away. You had that projected back to you. We don't have to look for security in others. Now, what the universe does, yes, it'll wound you. It'll, sh it'll say that you won't feel secure within yourself. And you will also feel like you have to do things in order to get love, perform for love. In your case, it was a very profound, acute version of that. But the key to this is that's an experience that this soul in Shana went through. The truth is, you ready for this? You don't have to do any of that stuff. That's an experience that you had and you were conditioned by that. Then later on in life, you may reenact that in some way. Remember, you're, you're in your six, about to go into your seven now. Now, we've had nine years of growth, nine years of evolution, nine years. So we're, we're, this is going to be in a different level. It's going to be more integrated now, right? However, you may find that there is some 
realizations or wake up calls that are going to be happening. They may have already started on some sort of level, but um, and that might say, hey, there's some things you need to take a look at. Now, you know, you may not need to burn down the house at this point because you're <laughs> you're in a better state. You are right. You you've evolved. Right? Yeah. Now we're now we're talking about this last year of you doing your more so your higher purpose, and that is, it is for you. And I think you mentioned that a little bit about me as well. I think, if I'm not mistaken, but the idea is giving service to others in the context of a constructive way, even if there's some idealism to make the world a better place while accepting the reality and truth of life and also seeing in your personal relationships right now. And I'm not just talking about significant other, but I'm talking about family, friends, anything like that, that where maybe you are still with some things in there where you maybe it's a little bit more of you, you know, taking on some responsibilities and helping out and doing the right things. And maybe things need to be a little bit more balanced out a little bit. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Doesn't mean that the end of the world doesn't mean some cataclysmic thing is on its way, but it may be time to get get real about certain things. And so the universe is going to start showing you a little bit of stuff and saying, hey, you know, take a look at this. Do you need a, are you still playing? I'm getting my security through others, or are you still playing? I'm, you know, performing for love and taking care of others, and I'm not allowing myself to see that this isn't kosher. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just, well, it's interesting because this, I, I'm like going into becoming a mother soon. And like, that's really on the forefront of what I'm thinking about is like getting my body ready for having a child. Um, and also half the time I'm like, let's sell our house. Let's move to Italy. Like let's fucking mm-hmm. start clean right. slate in another country and also start a family. So it's like, so, yeah, we get it. Now, the reason why that's interesting is because we know that I mentioned your home in your last cycle and um, and a change in home and also a change in your status, right? Um, and probably thinking that you more than likely at that age, you probably had a, a wake-up call, a realization of some really dysfunctional shit. But again, we've grown and evolved. Now, instead of moving out to reclaim your life from a dysfunctional relationship that you weren't allowing yourself to see what it was, right? And having to have a wake-up call like, my God, I've been protecting my mom from my own mind and not wanting to look at that. It is what it is, and I can't do with this anymore. And I don't have to be the nicest, bestest, grandest, you know, caring person to get love, right? Now we're talking about me, you know, I want to move, but for different reasons, right? And and and, and the change in our home, remember six rules, family and relationship. And in your sixth cycle, there's the, this, con, this concept of children, right? Again, a classic time. Uh, statistically speaking, the, the concept of children happen under sixes a lot more than under cycles, but there are other cycles that women do um, have, get pregnant or have children. But I do see this a lot. And you're actually under a double six right now. Your September cycle is another six months. So the idea of your needs and feelings and you might be a little extra sensitive this month. And, uh, and, and you know, just letting you know in case you've been feeling that. And um, uh, But this is all part of, but as we get into October, that seven is going to become a little bit more prominent and it might show you, some, I'm preparing you for it, not because I think it's going to be a bad cycle by any stretch of imagination, but I do think there's going to be some reality factors you're going to have to look at, you know, as to, can you really move to Italy and do all this stuff? You know, are you running? Are you? I mean, shit. I was in Italy just a couple of years ago, and I'll I'll go I'll go back anytime, right? But <laughs> but I'm I'm saying um, I, I buy a house there tomorrow, right? But you know, how realistic is that? You know, why? Yeah. What are we looking at? What do we want? You know, because remember, the six is a visionary and idealist, and you're creating these things, right? Now, um, 
these are things you're going to be looking at in your life. And you may also hear some news from other people that are challenging that's for them. Someone you know might get ill or someone you might go through a struggle that might wake you up to the, you know, life is short, just letting you know, right? So you're just starting that cycle now and it's going to go clear through the end of 2024. In 25, both of you guys are going to go into your eighth cycle, which is going to be a real powerful uptick in your careers. And I think we're going to start to see some greater growth and accomplishment and achievement during that time frame. But, but you, Shane, there's going to be some stuff you're going to have to figure out here, you know, and you, you know, you might have to reflect and, you know, look at some things in your life and say, how much am I creating this wonderful, beautiful picture and not seeing the pink elephant in the room? And what do I need to address? And that need not be cataclysmic. It can be illuminating. Yeah. I know. It's like, it's so hard for me to, I'm like, what is it? Like, what is the elephant in the room? I don't know because well, I'm such an idealist and I do paint things over that I'm like, okay, like I need, I want to see the elephant in the room. I just am like. Well, it'll, well I, got, I got news for you. you you'll, you'll, you'll learn soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> Yeah. Elephants you are know, big look, enough that you'll see it yeah. when it comes. Yeah. Yeah. It'll walk by you and you're Good. like, oh my God, there's a big there ass elephant in the living room here. <laughs> you know? so don't, don't, don't you worry about it. Um, the seven has the, the power to reveal things. You know, look, if I was doing, you know, a full session with you, I'd start asking you some probing questions about your life and I'd start to get deep. And then you'd probably start saying, well, yeah, okay, but that's not so bad. And you, you do a totally. little bobbing and weaving. And I would, I would be super, you know, sensitive and positive about it. And I'm like, well, let me ask you about this. And then next thing you know, you're going to reveal some things to me that, that show that there's some things that need to be addressed. And I'd probably get it out of you in probably 10 minutes, <laughs> but we don't have time for that. We can, totally. we, we can talk about that later, but it's, it's usually not that far away, you know, because um, you guys aren't that great at hiding it. it it's there. But again, this is not a bad process of, it's not a negative process. It is a awakening to reality factors and truth that you need to address so that you can have the life that you want. So don't look at it that way. And, and once you do and you address these things, uh, you realize that by addressing them, it's not so bad. It really isn't. You can do this and, and you can still be... One of the things I want to share real quick, and then we got to get to Dana. Um, one of the things I had this... I remember I had this conversation with my mom and she said, it's hard for me, Josh, to let go of wanting to see things a certain way. I don't want it, life to be that way, this other way. And I said, mom, I, I never said you had to let go of your vision and, and your, your idealism to a certain extent in life. You can still create magic and do wonderful things and make life a better place and do things that no one has ever done before. You can still do that as long as you accept the, the truth of the road to get there and the reality factor of, of life and people. And there may be some things that you, it, it doesn't mean that you're not going to still be a vision. I want you to be the visionary. I want you to bring the magic in the world and make the world. I want you to do that. But this year coming up, there's going to be some things that you're going to have to look at as to how do I go about doing that the right way? Because if you, if you, you know, are building a vision, but it's not based on solid ground to some degree. It's more about what you want to believe, and you're not looking at some reality factors on the on the base ground. It it can it, things can fall apart, and so we, we we want to address those things. And so that's what I would do with you, and you know, is that we would be having some sober conversation right now, and I would do it in an easy way. And I use a lot of humor, a lot of humor when I get, get readings. 
I'm, in fact, sometimes I feel like I'm doing stand-up comedy. But it, what it does is it gets people to laugh at and, and, and go, you know what, this is no big, it's not so hard. You know, I can look at this. I can, I can face this. It's okay. Then real change can happen in their life. We're, we're looking at real change that's going to be lasting and really be beneficial. Not just a band-aid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. So, Dana? Yes. Wow. Are you ready, babe? I'm ready. All right. So, um, you know, there is similarities here. So you're also a nine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a 45 nine, which is a little bit different than a 36 nine. And, um, uh, and it's so interesting because Shana brought this up to you about the intuitive aspect in your chart. So you have the classic chart of, of a bona fide intuitive. Absolutely. For, for two reasons. Um, one is that you have an 11, which is a version of the two. Now, anyone who learns a little bit about numerology and they go on, you know, you know, Google and they, they look up the master number 11, there's a lot of hyperbolic stuff about it. I, I remember the old book said, Oh my God, I'm an 11. I'm like the chosen one. I'm like, people have 11s. It's not that shockingly uncommon. You have your 11 in your natural ability number. And that's significant because that means that it, 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 being a dynamic person, who can tap into and inspire and awaken others, right, is very much a part of what you're here to do. And it comes second nature. It's it's not like something you need to work on. It's it's sort of there. And, and you are attracted to the alternative and unique ideas. All 11s are a little bit of a mad scientist, right? But when you, you know, now with Shana, and I, and I have to mention, you also have an, uh, another 16-7. That means you have two sevens in your chart. I should have mentioned this just to finish up really quick. It, seven rules of knowledge, truth, and information, right? And seven can also relate to, in some cases, spirituality, like the seven chakras, seven days a week, seven comes the rainbow. You know, I, I did this show one time and I talked about how number seven is sacred to every single world religion and every spiritual discipline. And and um, and it's very close to that. So having two sevens means you are in, in part, you're here to impart knowledge, truth, and information, right? Now, you may do that in a beautiful, idealistic way, but you're here to bring deeper knowledge to people it's healing for you to get real with someone as opposed to just make things better you are making things better but but yeah that's part of the reason why you do what you do and you also have an 11 in your chart in your inner drive number so again there's a connection there but back to you dana i'm sorry i just forgot to tell you that with you dana um the 11 is is going to bring a certain kind of um uh quality to your personality now 11 can sometimes rule the media and so um, that means that the, you may attract possibilities to do things where you can sort of get, you know, we call them. In fact, you, you know, you called me the messenger. I have an 11 life path. Well, um, 11 is also in, in my book, the messenger. So it's also an alternative number and it's into unique different things. And it's going to have an intuitive understanding of things. Now, I, there, is a, there is a clear cut, interesting dynamic in your chart. Um, whereas you also have in your ultimate goal, a form of a one, which I'll tell you that in a minute. And you have a 20 slash two now 20 slash two and 11, two are similar in some ways, but different. So 20 is the number of the medium. And what that means is that, um, you at a very young age were, didn't have a filter. (laughs) So you're sensing and feeling everything. Yeah. And the fact that you also have an 11 with that too, that's a, that's a lot. Um, and because of that, uh, um, there, usually there are issues with boundaries because there's no boundary growing up, none. 
And uh, now I'll get into some of the psychological aspect, but I want to start off with this dynamic. So you have an 11-2. Now, the, the, the old school numerologist always said, don't break down the 11 to the 2. It's a master number. It's a double one. But we know the two exist under that. And in your ultimate goal number, you have a form of a 1 and you have that 2. So that 1-2 that combination happens twice. So this is an interesting thing. When you're feeling the 11, you're going to feel very dynamic and inspired. And this will bring a certain kind of energy through you, kinetic energy, electrical energy. In you. And there will be a certain level of dynamic leadership and power coming through. But when you are feeling the two, you might then second guess the entire thing, right? You might, you might go through, oh gosh, I don't know. Because two is a very indecisive energy by its nature, right? There's always two sides of an issue. So where the one energy is, ones don't wait around. Ones lead all the numbers, right? So it goes one, two, three, four. You know, one doesn't stick around and find out what the other numbers are doing. They start and all the numbers follow, right? So it does real initiating, pioneering, and confidence and leadership. But, and it's in your chart. But uh, you also have, but remember, growing up in the environment, being such an intuitive and being the medium and being someone who's sensing and feeling from everyone, you couldn't help but be very sensitized to what's going on with others. And that can put you in the role, and that's why I'm saying it's kind of similar but different to Shane in the sense that twos tend to help assist and support. And now, sometimes uh, they see one parent doing that to the other, or sometimes they pick up the slack and they're helping out. But one thing that happens when you have a, a you know, and again, you have this 46101, guess what? Four and six can also have idealism about family. Also, notice a combination of four and six again. Now, the wound is slightly different, which I'll explain in a minute how it's different, but it, it can also have an idealism there as well. And one of the things about 46 is also a visionary number is that they're learning about patience because Rome wasn't built in a day. <laughs> and I mean, if you can see what the relationship can look like, it should be that right now. What do we have to wait around for? Do we have an idea for something? You know, we can just, we can create this and do this. And then, um, so ex accepting that things happen in a process step by step. And it doesn't have to be now. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to the promised land, but we have to go through the steps. That's kind of a lesson for you. And the other thing is, is that you may swing from the one to the two. You may feel dynamic and driven one day and you may second guess things. And, and remember, two is always feeling like, how do I support others, right? And uh, it can bring a little bit of a codependent streak. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Is it the 20 that's codependent or do they attract someone that's codependent? Which one is it? Um, are they overhelping and assisting and supporting? Um, or um, or are they in an environment where that's, you know, you need to do that, right? You need to be taking care of things in order that's what you've attracted, so it's very important that you understand because nine is already empathetic, right? And two and two is is the assistance number that you have this balance between being someone who receives, who has these insights. You're gonna, I'm telling you right now, you're gonna walk down the street, and you're gonna have literally epiphanies and awakenings and revelations literally walking down the street. In your life, you're gonna have powerful experiences that go outside the norm where you're gonna suddenly realize and and, and two. Two is the number of duality, and you're here to wake up and realize that all things are interconnected and all things are one. 
And, um, um, but you're, but you're consciously aware of the duality of all things. And so you're going to have these epiphanies. And then at the same time, you're being called upon to create your own path and have a certain level of individuality in your life while you're in a partnership. So you have your, a, a one is supposed to create their own dynamic. This is who I am. Being who you are is very important in your work and, and doing it your way while you are sharing and, 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 and part, because two represents the, you know, the second person, right? So it's important, for example, in this, that, you know, you can be a, a dynamic team, but you also have to maintain your sense of self. You can be in a marriage and you can be supportive and you can make sure that, um, you know, that you're being, uh, there for your significant other, but you have to understand that, that you you are your own person. You have to have your own individual life, and those things are really important to balance for you, right? And 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 we talk about certain types of people that are trigger our, trigger our chart. If we're with, if we're if we know people or worked for people in the past, where it's a little bit more about them. And you were supporting them so they can create, be the visionary and create their thing. So they can be seen and heard and put out what they're doing. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying um, you have to be aware of the fact that you might be projecting your own individual creative self onto somebody else. It's very important that you're not just a supporter to someone doing that, that you're also doing that yourself. Now, I believe that in, in your case, that um, you're here to do create something uh, uh, that's, I would call it um, a line or a concept or an idea. So this is creating a concept that you originated. Now you can share and do this and have cooperative things, and you can because two is always you know going to attract partnerships because that's the second. But you do need to make sure that you maintain your sense of self and you're creating something that's a reflection of who you are at the same time, right? If you don't, you may attract others. Um, and it's important to understand this. Now, I, I, we talked about the narcissist, right? So Shana was talking about her mother, you know, exhibiting narcissistic tendencies or might have had narcissistic personality disorder. So when there's one in the ultimate goal, and I, I found that they can attract two different types uh, of what I call, there's the narcissist and there's the undercover narcissist. The undercover narcissist is somebody who's insecure. Maybe they don't have confidence maybe a little bit of a victim or they have issues in life and you want to be sensitive to that. You want to make sure they're okay. But in the process of doing that, you might be suppressing some of your light or, or who you are. Now, the other kind, so I'm saying you have, you know, you're having lunch with a friend and, you're, and some great news has happened. You're sitting down and they are not doing well. And you want to make sure that you're being, you know, sensitive to them. And so you make yourself a little smaller. You don't bring up or manifest who you are, really. And these are things that can happen so easily with you. Because in some ways, you may have been taught not to make it about you. It's not about you, right? And so you're here. It's not, I'm not saying that you have, you have to say, it's about me now, because it wasn't about me then. Oh, you're feeling bad? Fuck off. I'm, I'm going to tell you about my great day. I don't care if you feel bad about it. Who cares, Right. So that's not what I'm getting at. We're looking at how you may attract situations where shining your light or you know putting yourself out there in your own individual way may conflict with your environment to some degree. 
For example, 45 nines, which is your life path, usually there is somebody, one of the parents who may not have had it that great growing up, or maybe there's a sense of loss, some things that didn't work out for them. Okay. Now, I'm not saying every parent of a, of a 45 nine child who is suffering from clinical depression. I'm saying, but usually there's a sense of loss and then it permeates who they are. And that makes them not able to fully show up in some ways, right? Now, should you be sensitive and empathetic to that because they had it difficult and they maybe not, they never got over it. They never healed that completely, right? Well, certainly as a child, you want to be sensitive to that. But are, or do we realize as a child that in order to do that, we're maybe giving up a certain part of ourselves and not showing that part of ourselves because that would be insensitive or not caring or making it about us instead of about them? How do we do that? Is that happening later on in life in, in various ways that we don't see? Right? So this is a very powerful lesson because you have an interesting dynamic. You're supposed to be a, very much a leader. You're supposed to shine your light, but you really need to be doing it in the context of, of a facilitator, being an intuitive and, and, being, and really sensing and feeling from other people. Um, if you ever had a relationship with somebody who also suffered from depression or they were unhappy or they never got over things and you were trying to be the facilitator to them and, and bring them up, that's one of the reasons why, right? Now, again, that might have been before. It might have been an older relationship. You also are a visionary and you see what can be. And that's why you guys share those, that interconnection to each other. So you're both very positive and very what can be. And both of you guys are learning about patience and, um, <laughs> and learning to accept the process to get there, both of you, mm-hmm. right? But uh, it's important to understand that um, what you do, I think, is directly related to the wound of a parent. And now you're constructively using that wound and helping people to be more confident in who they are and find their purpose as to who. Again, part of your wound is re- your identity and, and claiming that and, and finding that balance with you know, being caring for others. But, if you, but in the line of your work, you may find that you're, you're inspiring others to be who they are. Because mm-hmm. that's a, a very close wound. Yes. And, and to not let negativity or pessimism or that kind of mindset to get in the way and not to get stuck in the past. And there's a reason for that. I really believe that it might have been a parent who really was stuck in the past, didn't get over and they couldn't, and they could not show up a hundred percent. And you picked up the slack for that. A hundred percent. So, all right, now let's go back in time. Okay. Right? <laughs> now, uh, we, you know, we talk about 2017, you know, that to me, but that's going to extend into 2018 for you because, because the last one cycle was 2018, but that came out of that nine, right? So see, after a nine year, you actually start back at one again, you start entirely new nine cycle. Now, one cycles for you are really deep because remember and, I, and I'm going to extend this into 2019 for a different reason as well, because that was an 11 and a two. And remember, you're really a combination of one and two and nine. So nine was 2017. That started probably by the fall of 2017, right? And then 2018, we get into the one. And then 2019, we get into the 11, two. Now, those are all, those three numbers are the, are, it just so happens it's chronological, but those are the three lesson numbers in your chart, 
right? So now nine can spark again a transition, you know, uh, out of things. For example, people can end, end a job or relationship. But you know, the thing is that's going to go into the one because for you, which is 2018, which is you having a new start in life where you're saying it's time for me to let go where I'm not being me, where I'm losing myself in this role that I'm playing and start to create my own path and make my own decisions and make my own future and release, you know, this situation where, where I've lost myself in either the narcissist or the undercover narcissist where you're playing that role. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, and where there's an imbalance where I can't really shine my light or be me or I'm getting lost in this role. And then, and then, and then in 2019, you're going to an 11, which is powerful because you are an 11. And that's like, we remember talking about the epiphanies and awakenings and the insights and revelations. My God, they were going off in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> and I think your, your entire path that you made some decisions of which, which road to take during that time frame because you were ready to start to awaken to those things. But those three years all interrelate to each other. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, the biggest years of my life, I think, because um, the person, the parent that this person who's really was struggling was my dad. And always I was his parent, you know, like literally taking care of him. And when he, when I found out that he had cancer, I like quit my whole life to move to be near him just so that I could make sure he was going to be okay and get to his doctor's appointments, right. have everything he needed. So the very, very, very beginning of 2018, January, 2018, my dad passed away right. and so him sorry, passing yeah. away. Once again, it kind of like completed a cycle. And I did feel like his parent in that, like I took care of all the things for him and it set me free to just like actually be on my own and do what I really wanted to do and actualize like the magic that I am. And I definitely think with my dad, he's such a big personality. He took up so much space that I feel like he never really knew who I was or saw that I, I was special because he takes up all of the oxygen in the room, you know, because of he's like- very dynamic and charismatic extremely charismatic and kind of like famous in his crowd and, you know, like right. so loud. And like, for me, I just was literally his servant for a lot of years, even though he did love me a lot. It just like, there was no space for me in his field because he was so overtly pers personable. But that year, you know, him passing, that was the catalyst into us starting Day Luna and starting this business and being like, I'm going to quit this wow. old job. And also at that time, the year before my dad died, I was working this corporate job. I went back to, you know, I'm going to get a real job so that I can like pay my bills. And I was working as a behavioral therapist for kids on the autism spectrum, like really being of service. And so similar to Shana there kind of... Is. And then yes. I was like, this is not me. Like, I don't get to be my real self here. I don't get to share my magic. Like you had to, every word you said was scripted. So that right. whole, my dad dying was in, was the transition between this like world where I seemed successful, but I wasn't really being my full self into like claiming my spirituality, claiming my uniqueness, claiming my voice and being like, I don't know how this is going to go, but I know I have to actually be me in a big way and commit to that. And we started okay. Day Luna 2019. 2019. Okay. So you were both <laughs> in 11s during that time frame. So now this is remarkable because now when we go from a nine to one year, mm -hmm. right? So um, we call it the ending cycle because nine is the last single digit because after nine, you start at one again. When you go from a nine into a one, it's called the transitional cycle. 
and there will be endings of relationships now. It's not shocking. Actually, my father, he raised me, he passed away in a nine year himself. But um, be, well, because it's a completion cycle, it's an ending. But we'll, we'll see a lot of the time there'll be you know terminations of connections and endings and things like this. It's not shocking for people that you know to pass on or there be a death of a relationship because it's a letting go and releasing cycle. And it's about you standing on your own two feet and creating your own path. So he, you were eclipsed, right? And we'll, we'll say that your father was a dynamic, charismatic person, but may, maybe part of him needed to be that. Maybe that fed something in him, the, you know, cause that usually garners attention and, and, and reaction. And, um, sometimes it's compensatory, right? That deep down, you know, uh, you know, we need to be the star of the show to a certain extent. And because, um, we, we, I don't draw a distinction between the, the person who needs to be the star of the show that eclipses the child or the person who's wounded and insecure it eclipses the child because it's not about you. It's about my wound. And the other one is it's about me because I'm the star of the show, right? It, those, I call it that. It's like a two sides of the same coin in many respects. But um, I don't want to say that your father necessarily was a narcissist, but I'd say that that the qualities he possessed are associated with people that may have some of those tendencies. Definitely. Right? And and the, the thing is, his inability to see you and, and you to be recognized as the individual dynamic person that you were, because you are actually quite charismatic and, and dynamic as a person, ironically, right? And here he had this beautiful, amazing daughter, and he, 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 he didn't realize that he was eclipsing her. You were wearing that T-shirt that says, I'm with him, and there's a, there's a <laughs> hand pointing, right? Yeah. And, um, and, and remember, the 20 is, oh, I, I have to play that role to the dynamic person. Remember I said, I have to help, you know, promote them or I have to, you know, be the assistant to them and where they shine in the light. And you, you, you were that role with your father, even to the very end of his life. Right. And, but listen to the powerful story about once he passes, uh, that it allows you to actually shine your own light, create your own path and, and not be eclipsed anymore, but start to actualize your true self in your, in your one cycle. How powerful is that? How unmistakable is that? Yeah, again, I don't know every little exact detail happens in our life, but, but the evidence is there. The evidence proves the system that this works. This is all happening for a reason, right? And the dynamic that you're going through is absolutely consistent with your chart. You had this bigger than life person that you were was eclipsed by and that you were playing this role. You, you, you got lost in the shuffle of who you were. Then you came to assist the dynamic charismatic figure in your life when he passes away it opens up the door for you to finally be you and actualize your own path how can we say that doesn't exactly specifically incontrovertibly in that time frame that we specified yeah. play out your dynamic in your chart i mean honestly yeah those years before having this conversation i could easily tell you were the most transformational years of my life and it was the, the lead up, like in a row, you know, just the change that happened. It was such a powerful catalyst. So my mind is blown, but also it makes the most sense ever. It's like undeniably so. So you're right. <laughs> and it's unde and that's why I'm saying, look, I understand what skepticism is. I was raised by the most voracious. I always say this. My mom was skeptical of skeptics and didn't think she was, they were skeptical enough. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I get it. 
I get it. I don't know exactly, you know, these things are mysterious to some degree. Although when I study the origins of numerology, it, it, there is evidence that there is an interconnection between numbers and, and philosophical concepts and ideas dating back thousands of years. It's not a new thing, but how it works on a psychological level, that's, it is pretty wild, but it works. And yes. I always say to people, facts are facts, right? So the, all these things are happening in your life for a reason. What's so healing about this is it goes, gosh, I mean, how did we possibly know these things that these dynamics took place? And they reflected my chart and it happened in these times. Well, first of all, I didn't know exactly for sure, but I, I asked those questions that correlated because we figure those things are going to happen during those, those cycles. But just like with Shana right now, her life, she's in those exact same cycles. And it's not about getting out and getting a home to get away. It's like, let's get home in Italy, right? So it's, it's different. And it's not about, you know, waking up to some reality factors that your life has been, you, you've been really been not been truthful to yourself, right? It's a different kind of thing. Now it's about being truthful in, in your work and also seeing other residual stuff. Now for you, you've been in this 33.6 and six dot, um, if that's a little bit different than a 24.6. Now 33 brings up your emotions and your sensitivities, mm-hmm. right? Now Shane is onto that just for September, but you know, since last year and the end of last year till now, the 33.6 is about getting, well, it's addressing things. Mm. So um, it's about getting, you know, being emotionally authentic and expressing things and not just going along with the program and making everything as peaceful, right? So we hope that in some of your relationships of all kinds, that maybe you address some things and got things off your chest and clarified some things, right? Because that that's a healthy thing for you to do now, but you're now going into your seven as well. Okay, so you don't have seven in your chart at all. So this is, I think you're you're about to go into a very powerful cycle where you're going to be searching for the Holy Grail. So there's this. Well, I believe that there is a little bit of a journey that you're going to go on to discover some important things for yourself. And um, uh, and I think this self discovery is a part of some, you know, growth pattern for you. Um, but I also think that you guys are going to be in your work. The seven cycle isn't so anti-work and it's only internal work. Like not everyone doesn't go to an ashram in India just because they go into a seven. <laughs> I, I do think I, I I do think there's going to be probably you guys are going to do some traveling. You're probably going to do some sort of retreats and things like that um, and getting away at some point, right? Because that the seven requires a little nature. You're going to have to do that. But it's also a time for you to develop your ideas. I think it's research and development and figuring out how to take things to the next level. And by the fall of 2024 for both of you, because you're both, since you both run the same cycles, I can time, I can tell you right now with a high degree of certainty that by the fall of 2024, this is going to start to trigger your 2025 cycle. And there's going to be a, a considerable uptake in the success and growth of this podcast. So how do I know that? Well, I don't exactly know it for sure. I said with a high degree of probability, it's called 25 years, 20,000 readings. <laughs> things tend to happen under certain cycles. Yeah. Right? Now, to what degree? I don't know. It's hard to know all these things, right? I just know that's a time frame we're going to see greater growth. And there's going to be some investigation into taking things to the next level and trying new things. And how do we do this? And how do we do that? And experimentation and trial and error. That, that's going to be happening coming up now. Right? But when we get, I'm telling you guys, uh, your podcast is going to be in another level. But you know, when when 25 hits, 
believe me, and, and, and there'll probably be other things involved in this as well, you know, that's going to branch off into other things, right? And um, um, we're, we're probably going to end up having to do some video stuff because six rules film, right? Shane has got six and 46101 has a six in it. And you also have a 60 slide, a six personality. And, and so we're looking at, I've talked about this before. I do believe that there's some visual, creative, artistic things going on in, in both of your charts. And I haven't seen it completely just yet, but I think we're going to be moving into maybe a video cast or you're going to be doing some other projects that you guys could do a documentary. There's so many things that can end up happening in your life when you start doing more of these visual, creative things. And it's something that I think you both need to look at because you in particular, Dana, you need to, to create something that you developed from you. Now you can share it and do it together, but you need to create something that's an embodiment of your true self. You, you must, you must create something. What, what, what is, um, uh, what does your husband do for a living? He is a rock climbing guide. So he teaches people to climb outdoors. Okay. So notice one thing about rock climbing, uh-huh. right? <laughs> it, it, it is an individual endeavor. Yes. <laughs> No one can climb that rock but you. Now, he's also, you know, I guess you call it a little bit of helper healing. In a sense, he's, he's, he's awakening people to the potential and things like that. Because you really do have to have confidence and believe that you can do it, right? Yes, yeah. So that's, that is a positive reflection of your chart, mm-hmm. right? But it's also somebody that the story of the rock climber is you have this picture of, of, of one person and, and, you, and, you, and you, you zoom out and you see this giant, you know, big mountain or thing. And there's this one person up there alone <laughs> with God yeah, <laughs> on their journey to the top of that mountain. It's, and it's for their own personal growth and connection to everything and something you have to do. So what I'm looking for is a bit of that one and what you have attracted, mm. right? Because you need to go out. It, it, you have to be an instigator and a creator and a, your own, you have to do your own path. You have to create your own path, right? You have to create that path up that hill and it's you and the mountain. Now he's facilitating that for others. So he's combining that. My journey is a rock climber, right? And I'm going to share it with you and help you, right? But you have to create something that says, this is my idea. It's important that you do that. And, and so I think there's going to be some developmental ideas that are going to come out for both of you during this time frame. Yes. And, um, and I think it's going to be very important because, again, 2025 is going to be very powerful. Um, and, um, and I think there will be financial growth for you during that year as well. Um, and, and, you know, usually, you know, things have to grow and evolve where things become more financially viable. So again, call me Nostradamus. Um, (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I know exactly how it's going to happen. I'm not saying I'm not telling you overly specific things where I'm going to be wrong and regret it. I'm saying I have a certain degree of certainty that these kinds of things are likely to happen in that time frame. Mm-hmm. And, um, and do you know why you both are going to believe me? Because I was right about what happened in your past. <sighs> so true. So right. I mean, you were I'm so like right that it's, yeah, I'm blown away. And even just because Dana and I also know each other so, so well. well, like we've been <laughs> friends for 16 years now and we both lost our dads. Like we both navigated these really 
vulnerable and hard and dark things, but also created a business together and had to like get clear on like, who the fuck am I? And what are we doing? And what's important? Like we, we know each other so well so, uh, that you sharing yeah. about Dana, I'm like having to cry because I'm just like, <laughs> holy Aww. shit. It's so, so accurate and just really illuminating. So I have a question. Um, when you are shifting years, like whatever cycle you're in, when you're shifting cycles, is there always going to be change like in that shift or like with where somebody maybe passed away or where you have to like, um, or does it really depend on like, if it's a lesson number for you um, that kind of illuminates that? So, you know, I, I didn't have time to go through every year with you. Right. So I, I went through the cycles where I knew were, were going to be the most powerful and most life-changing for both of you. And, um, and so, um, and for different reasons, obviously, because the charts are similar, which is not shocking because you're both doing this together and your partners and you have so much in common, but slightly different at the same token. So those cycles are going to have more powerful change in your life. Right. But, uh, other cycles may go less noticed. Right. So, you know, for example, four years are important work years, right? And, we'll, you know, there'll be a lot of developments in your job and work. In 2021, you guys were both in four years, right? And so we can say, okay, maybe that's a time, you know, going into that cycle where we restructured and reorganized or started to build differently and things like that, right? Now, that might have been accurate as to what took place at that time, but you can't say that that cycle was anywhere near as dramatic as the other cycles totally. that I mentioned, right? Yeah. And I remember I some show I was involved in and I was doing a reading for a psychotherapist and I and I and I mentioned, you know, I said, Oh, more than likely you had a breakup this year with this kind of a person. And it turned out to be true. I'm not sure she liked that, by the way. But <laughs> she said, but you know, she said, but 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 I could have had a breakup at any time in my life and, and it and it could have been with that kind of a person. And I said, Okay, did you have a breakup with that kind of a person the year before? She said, No. And would you have a breakup with that kind of person the year after? No. <laughs> no. How about two years after? No. How about two years before? No. Yeah. Here we go with pseudo skepticism. <laughs> yeah. Everything applies to everyone, <laughs> you know. And and it's like you know, again, it's so funny because I'm a very fact based, realistic, grounded person, and I understand how skepticism works. But if we're needing to come up with theories and ideas that have no basis in fact in order to prove your point, it's it's not it's not legitimate. All I know is that there are limitations of what I can do and I'm well aware of my limitations. There's some things I'm not going to know. And, and um, we, you know, we call that the X factor, right? Um, and I've worked so hard to get as much information in these last 20,000 readings, you know, to, to get as much information. The point is, is not to, it's, my job isn't to know everything that happened in a person's life. My job is to develop a, a system that helps people understand their arc of development, how they're growing, how what's the next stage and how, where they need to keep working on and what their potential is, right? And the potential for you guys really to me is I honestly believe that this idealism that's both in your chart is, is just beautiful. And the, and the double in both being nines, there's, it's just, it's impossible that you guys didn't come together for, to do, to, to create this kind of project, to bring truth and to elevate and to awaken and to shift and to make the world a better place. Because that's part of your soul's journey. Of course you're wounded. Nobody gets into this kind of work without wounds. I mean, my God, I was taken from my birth mom, you know, at birth. You know, I, I, 
I, I, apparently that was, you know, there's some abandonment from that, you know, I was raised by a Vulcan, you know, and, and you know, my, my mother was basically a live long prosper, you yeah. know, she was super intellectual and devoid of some of the emotional stuff. She was a good person, but I didn't get any nurturing. I was so wounded in that, in that department. But what I did is, and what everyone should be doing in, is thinking about the deeper lessons in their chart. How can I grow and evolve from that and do something with it? Right. You maybe in the past you guys, you know, idealized and played roles, right? But you're using that idealism now in a constructive way to make make the world, you know, a better place and 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 do it, use that wound for the benefit of others. And that's what it's all about. And I told and guys, I told you from the beginning, I said this in the in the, in the podcast prior, your higher purpose is directly related to your wound. Yeah. So if I if I oversimplify it, you're Shana, you're helping people to see the truth, right? It's like a truth thing for you, ironically, but you're also helping them to see what's possible, right? And Dana, I think you're here to inspire people to to, to be who they really are and to find their own selves because that's a wound in you, right? At the and 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 at the same time, you know, realize it's something you need to do yourself. When your father passes, you know, again, this is all synchronicity. Your father passes under the nine going into the one, right? A classic time for a major transition in life when we have to let go of the, the past and release relationships of all kinds. And then, and then it says, you now can do you, right? You now, you can do you. So remember, as because these seven cycles, you have to, in particular, you have to find something. You have to create something and have this idea and, and share that. While you are maintaining partnerships, you have to keep that individuality, right? So it's all about all this is happening for a reason. And I, and I, I, I you know, I can say, in all the years I've been doing this, I've come to the the realization that the reason why we have these struggles is that the soul needs to learn these lessons, or else there'd be no reason for life. And it's not to punish us, and that if we if we take the time to work on it and take responsibility for what we attract. Um, the the universe will support us and it will help us actualize our true purpose. And I think, I think God or the universe knows my, my impression is my theory is and however limited I am in my little puny brain is that it knows that we're going to struggle. It knows that it's difficult. The universal mind, the universal knows that and is, is rooting for you. And, understands that you took on this mission to come down here and, and learn all these lessons at boot camp for souls. But there is light at the end of the tunnel and you can change your path and you can awaken and adversity can be a catalyst for that. And ultimately you realize that that the wounds that you were given was really your your greatest gift. Yeah. Yes. It was yeah. your greatest gift. Wow. Absolutely. And wow. this, this transition that you brought up in my life was the most painful, challenging time of my life. And I know it was my greatest gift of my entire life. I know that to be true. And I love 
the way that you frame, like the way that we can really embrace the challenges, really embrace the wounding, really embrace the darkness and know that that's going to be the thing that propels us into the highest highs of our purpose and self-expression. It's so important because I think we're just so afraid to go down there and to really let in the darkness, but it's like the deeper we go and the more we open our arms to those wounds, it just catapults us even higher into the higher highest expression of our purpose. And everyone listening to this podcast is here because they want to live out their true unique purpose. They want to share their gifts. They want to spread their wisdom in the world. And they want to be their unique self. And oftentimes it's like, but how, like, how do I get there? And embracing those wounds, embracing those transitions that are challenging in those shadows, I think is just so helpful and supportive. And it makes it, instead of scary, it makes it exciting because you know the fruitfulness that comes into opening that door into the darkness. Yeah. Yes. I was just... uh, Yeah, go ahead, Gina. Oh, I was just going to say, I was just reflecting on last night how the, the more you traverse into the darkness or the deeper you go, the brighter you get. And I was watching a show last night and it was... Like God was talking to this person in the show and God said, I made you this bright so others could see through the darkness. And that theme of like, um, you get brighter and brighter the more that you can face yourself and go there and see the things and have that adversity, but also use it. And have it be something that propels you, have it be something that uplifts you, have it be something that's like part of your arsenal. And that brightness then is a light for other people to grow and to navigate this darkness that we're all in too. Well, I love you guys. Well, I love you guys. (laughs) You get it. And um, uh, yeah, eloquently said, it's so true. You know, uh, remember light emanates from out of the darkness, right? That that that's where it comes from. You know, I mean, first there was the darkness and the light emanated through. So it's the, it's the beginning of consciousness and awareness. And and, and yeah, I, I guess reason why you know maybe I didn't do as much with you guys, but when I actually do sessions, I I actually use a lot of humor. And what I do is I disarm these wounds and I said it's okay, it's all right. You're, you're meant to have these, and it's it's your friend, and we can make up with that. And yes, I think that once you realize, oh my gosh, I have the free will to look at these things and and change my perspective about them. It opens up the door to this path to fulfillment. And I think everything changes. You, you, you know, uh, you guys said something to me about, you know, me going out there and standing behind the work that I do, right? Because a part of me doesn't want to do it because I don't want to do it with shit. I'm going to be honest with you. They're reluctant. Right? <laughs> yeah. reluctant I'm, I'm reluctant. <laughs> yeah. And I go, you know, look, I, you know, I, I'm not some perfect, I'm certainly not some kind of ascended master at all. Um, and, um, I, I don't consider myself like this spiritual luminary at all. And, and, um, but I think I, I'm kind of an edgy personality. I probably swear too much. You know, <laughs> I, um, uh, uh, I say the wrong thing sometimes, you know, um, my humor is sometimes, you know, over the top. There's all these things that are imperfect about me. I said, why am I the one that have to go out here and do this? Why don't you pick somebody else uh, that'll go out, you know, who's like some elevated human being and higher consciousness, some guru or something like that, not me. And I don't want to deal with the crap, right? I get frustrated. But you said something really important. I think was very profound for me. And that is you can't expect 
to in your personal life and your relationship and things to to have you know a, a connection you know uh, that really reflects who you are. If you're not willing to go out there and be who you are and, and play that role and take it on the chin and get out there and be the heretic and bring this information out to a larger audience and and not make it you know oh this thing you know this plight. You go out there and you say, hey, everyone, here's what it is. I understand some people are not going to want to hear it, but that's okay. But it's something that probably was chosen before I even came in. And I am reluctant, but you reminded me that that, that was my decision. And, and in order to have you know a more fulfilling life, I have to, you know, make those take on that responsibility. Yeah. Yes. And put yourself out there in a big way. Your energy is meant to be so impactful and to be heard and sung from the mountaintops. And that like affecting strangers and changing the world, like saving the world can seem like a lot of pressure sometimes, but... I mean, you're doing, (laughs) you're doing it. And I love what you said, like person by person, because we also believe in human design. You know, we can't change the world with a wand in one day, but you can change someone's life. And that person then goes on and has this ripple effect of all the other people whose lives they change. So I'm just so grateful. And Josh, thank you so much. This is a really special episode. Thank you so much for everything that you shared, all the value you shared, all the insight you shared. It just feels like such a healing gift. And I know that so many people listening are like, where do I sign up to get a reading? So how can people connect with you? How can they stay, you know, learning from you and find your offerings and all of that? My website is joshcode.com, J-O-S-H-C-O-D-E. Um, and um, there's a, you can click, you know, get a session and, you know, book book a session online. It's very easy. And um, uh, there will be, you know, I've been getting a lot of people asking me about the book. I'm, I'm meeting with some, I'm meeting with some people to discuss publishing, you know, this is, it's a little bit away because I have to, you know, I want to secure the right kind of publishing deal, but um, I'm going to be writing a book. Like I said, it's about half done, um, but nothing right now. As far as teaching, I think that's going to come down the pike as well, probably after the book comes out. Right now, um, it's about doing sessions to help people, but also I'm going to be doing, um, um, getting out the, the the word and what I do. I'm, you know, I'm hired the right people. It's, it's time to launch some bigger things for me. So I'll be doing some more projects getting out into, into the large audience and probably a little bit more public speaking as well. I've done it before. I've given talks, um, but probably a little bit more of that. So, um, but the teaching in the book comes a little bit later, um, but it, it, it will, it will be there. It will be there. But if, if people want to book a session with me, they're, they're, you know, be happy to give people a session, joshcode.com. Wow. Do you look down your, you know, your path and you're like, Oh, I'm, my book's going to come out in, in on that cycle. Well, probably, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, it's interesting, um, you know, things happen for a reason, and, and uh, sometimes you're under a powerful cycle for 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 success and growth, and then uh, it, it may not work out ultimately because it wasn't right at that time. And uh, that happened to me uh, when I was in my eight cycle. I got a, um, 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 I didn't even try actually. Remember, we talked about the generator. I literally attracted a publishing contract with one of the biggest publishing companies in the country. I didn't even, I wasn't even out trying to get a publishing deal. Someone just introduced me and it happened. And then I wrote part of the book and then things fell apart because that company was going to be bought up by another publishing company. And then the person who signed me got in and let go and it kind of screwed up things for me. And, and I was like, oh, okay, well, this isn't the right time. But, um, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I know some things about 
probably, you know, the timing. But you remember, it's not so, I, there's all these people walking around and says, you predicted this and you, I really didn't. I, you have to understand, I don't know exactly what's going to happen with every person on earth at any given time. It, it, these are things that are likely to happen or certain areas of your life that are going to get highlighted. So much of that depends on where you are in the process of, of integrating your chart. As a direct correlation to that, how much are you playing this stuff out unconscious? How much are you work on yourself and where you are in the process? And that will start to determine things. But you have everyone has the power and the free will to take these numbers and metamorphosize them into something fantastic. Everyone has that power. And I assure you that as a fact, because I've got a lot of thousands of case studies to show that. And believe me, I've had clients who had some extremely difficult lives in, in tra tragic situations and, and they've worked on themselves and they did the integral and they are where they are. And so much of the stuff is we hold ourselves back, I think. And that's certainly been the case with me. But but I think, um, uh, yeah, I do see some things coming down the line, you know, um, and uh, the next couple of years, looks like some larger, larger things are on the table, right? What about, didn't you say there is a predictive element of, of uh, what you do? There's a, a cycles, larger cycles? Yeah, there's about? larger cycles with um your you know your Saturn return, your Uranus opposition, um oh, I see. your Chiron return, like those cycles that that happen and and you can really look at um with human design, you know how your design is being conditioned within those year uh, those years, if you will. Um you right. get actually like a different profile and cross of incarnation, like purpose, energetic purpose within those years. And then, you know, when you hit that next oh. big uh, cycle, then it, it kind of shifts into that and different energy, oh, right? And so everyone goes through, you know, their Saturn return, like 27 to 29 years of age. And there's like, you know, you're being a feeling the effects a few years before, a few years after. Um, and so... You can really look at that and it is it does have that predictive quality of like, okay, when you turn 50, you're gonna be feeling, you know, this specific energy because I, of your chart. I wouldn't know about that. <laughs> I wouldn't know about 50. And so, when you turn 56, approximately is like your yeah. second Saturn return. That's a huge one. And then your Chiron, which happens around age 60. So but then you'd have to generate a whole new human design chart, basically, based wow. on the transits at that moment. And it would show you things that have changed within you that you'll experience temporarily during that phase. You still have your normal design throughout everything, but it's like you're putting right. on this new costume, costume. for this overlay. era like of your overlay. life. Overlay. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So that's as predictive as it gets really, um, but it's really fascinating to see. And it's, it's interesting. You can do it, you know, like with celebrities, you can look at their, you know, cycles that they've been in and you can see like, oh, now I noticed in their work that they shift to this. It makes it easier than to see it within yourself because it's like, oh, I'm seeing the different costumes or different eras of my life. Um, but I think right. it's really interesting, this conversation, since Dana and I have the same cycles, the same like um, order or like at the same timing, but we have different lessons because of our own individual numbers. And so how, even though we're both going through a six, you know, cycle right now, or we both went through a one cycle when we were creating day Luna, um, we had different lessons that we were both facing in that time based on our own different numbers. And so 
it's just really fascinating because I think people listening are probably like, well, how do I find out what cycle I'm in? And like, is it a one year for me or a two or three? Like what year is it for me? But it's not going to say, oh, every one year is going to feel like this or every six years is going to feel like that because it's based off of your own individual numbers and lessons within that as well, right? So it's so nuanced. Very true. Yeah, it, it, it's true, right. You know, I mean, sometimes when, when, when uh, some of these online magazines consult me, and they say, can you give us a breakdown of one through nine, the cycles? And I have to give this caveat that these are generalities. You have to look at a person's chart to see how they're going to react under that cycle. You cannot extrapolate just from the fact that someone went from a nine to a one. Yeah, you want to go back to, you know, those are always transitional years. But for example, if you look at your 14, 15, that wasn't a nine to one year, you know, um, that, that, but you, because six and seven are very important cycles for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and um, so that's very powerful. And um, so, but, you know, um, Dana has a very important one, 46.10 one in her chart. So going into the 17, going into 18, and then the 18 going to 19, because she also has an 11, those are going to be more powerful than other years, right? You, 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 have to, you have to correlate it to the chart. It's, it's kind of an, uh, it really is a bit of a mathematical formula. Yeah. It's, it's like a, it's, a, it's an algorithm, right? Mm. And then you have to understand how these numbers operate you know, it took me, you know, over 25 years to be able to do this. Yeah. Are you My ever going to so, teach numerology for other people to become like? Yeah, or... I, know. I, I think so. Yeah. You know, you got to because, um, you know, you don't want the system to die out with you. Yeah. Right? So you got it. You have to pass it on. And then someone, some, some super genius generation Z kids going to take this and be like, oh my God, <laughs> wait a minute. I just, yeah. And then he's going to like AI it and yeah. do some crazy shit and then turn it into this whole new system and start predicting the stock market and become a billionaire and like, totally. like wait a minute. You know? Totally. Like, wow. Okay. You I know. know that there's people listening who are like, I want to learn. Yeah. Numerology and you're such an and amazing teacher. Numbers and, and everything. So I'm really excited that we can recommend people to you. I'm excited to book a reading with you. Um, and I'm curious, do you do, like, do people book multiple sessions with you? I'm sure there's people wondering that listening. And can you book like a future focus session? That's like, I want to know the next oh, 10 yeah. years are. Well, I don't think I've done 10 years, but I've oh, definitely well, I done just a few throwing years. that number <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I, de I definitely do a few years ahead. Like I did with you guys. Yeah. Because because we know that 25 is coming up. And uh, I do think that this year is important coming up um, in 24, but I, I feel like it's getting you ready for 25, which is, and um, uh, yeah, of course, of course I look at future. And, and this is what I'm saying. All these people have said, I predicted these things. So for example, if there is some, you know, greater success or growth in, in your endeavors in 25, you might say, oh, he predicted that. I, I didn't really know for sure. I'm just saying, is a likelihood of that because these numbers tend to bring that kind of a thing. Now, if I looked at your chart and eight was a lesson for you and, and the low self-worth was not worked on, you may not get the kind of uh, dividends in your eight year that you would normally get. You know, totally. these, again, there's all these factors there's that come so into many. play. Yeah. You know, so, um, uh, you know, again, uh, what I would do is I would prep them and say, okay, let's get our self-worth and, I'm I'm ready to receive the abundance kind of mentality together, right? Before we before we get into that eight cycle, so you get the most out of it, so that you're ready to to receive. 
right? So that you're worth it, that you're, you know, you know, these are very eight type things, you know, self-value, self-worth and things of this sort. And um, uh, yeah, so absolutely. I talk about, you know, the reason why I go in the past is, 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 is to first find out what the dynamic, how you played out your chart, because there's different ways to do it. And again, there's, there's a few different possibilities that usually play out and I'm not going to know exactly which one. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do my best to, to say, here's what I'm looking for in this time frame, And it should relate to this. And, you know, the vast majority of cases it does. And then we, we look at where you were then. You know, the, the idea is to see where were you then and where are you now? And always, because the idea is these numbers move from being unconscious, repeating, you know, patterns to actually being consciously utilizing those same lesson numbers into accomplishing your higher purpose and fulfilling yourself. It's really a remarkable transformation because on one, we're just reliving, you know, wounds and we're sort of kind of a victim of these, these energies. And the other one is they become our friends and we initiate and manifest parts of ourselves that maybe wasn't supported properly. Yeah. And then, so of course it has to do with the future because the past is only to help us understand what we, where we came from. And we're, we're, but we're, we must talk about the future. Where are you going to go with this? How can you best utilize this information? How can we strategize in the cycles the next two years ahead? Yeah. For example, I told you that the seven cycles got a way different feel than the eight cycle, right? Yeah. You're going to be looking in and trying out. And, you we know, were literally answers. just talking about going to an ashram in India <laughs> this next year. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so when you said that, we were both like, we're laughing. Like, and we're like going to Mexico for a festival and we have like retreats that we're trying to plan. But also we're hiring on an operations manager to try to get our there shit more fine-tuned. Like it's definitely it like is. a developmental energy that we're yeah. already in. Um, but you literally like took the words out of our mouth. <laughs> yeah. So I said, not everybody, but I, I that, that means some people will, you know, yes. not everyone. But uh, but I mentioned retreats as well. And, and, and that's something on the table for you guys. And also it's about putting things together. Like, how do we grow this? How do we make this? What do we need to do? And sort of the- Talk about being pregnant, and, growing something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that's a, that's okay. another thing because um, uh, six into seven cycles are classic for that for pregnancy. Yeah, that's mm. fucking wild. You have blown my mind today. <laughs> I am so grateful. I'm really excited for everyone to keep learning from you. Um, I know our paths are crossing for a reason, um, and that we're just so mag magnetic. So I don't know what that's going to look like, maybe in video form in the future, but. We love you and we're just so grateful. Thank you for the feeling being the, the feeling's mutual, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clarion. All right. I'm gonna be the clarion. You are That's such a weird word. Weird you word. are the clarion. I know. Dive into that word gonna, more. <laughs> Go investigate. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to really delve into the deeper meaning of clarion. You know, yes. it sounds like carry on, which I definitely utilize <laughs> when I go flying. Um, guys, I mean it's been, it's been amazing. Um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. But I really do, by the way, I, I really want to stress that again. Um, yes, video and visual stuff. And I think you guys are going to excel in that kind of a format. Right. Yeah. I and, love and it's it. not because I know anything about marketing. In fact, I, I suck at it. I'm telling you <laughs> what I see in the new, in, in, in numerology, it, this, it, 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 these kind of energies are usually visual 
and film and, uh, and, and other forms of creativity where people can see is going to be a part of that. I got a feeling that's going to be down the road. I'm pretty sure of it. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I'm really excited to report back to you down the road, how it all goes. And yeah, thank you so much, Josh. Thank you for being here. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, Thank you for going down this rabbit hole with us all together because my mind is blown and I'm inside of a new world by the end of this conversation. So thank you for being here with us today. Hey, my pleasure. Wow. We loved talking to Josh. That was seriously mind-blowing. And I know that everyone here listening is like... Even my husband is like, I need a reading. Um, And so I just can't wait to just keep learning and numerology and how it connects with human design. It's so fascinating. So as always, you know where you can connect with our offerings, becoming a human design bestie with us and really diving into all the different ways that human design can transform your life. You can find that on our website, daylunalife.com or on our Instagram at dayluna. You can sign up for our wait list for Kiss Goodbye Your 9 to 5 if you're ready to change your career. And also you can find our book, Your Human Design, anywhere books are sold and really learn into the or lean into the different practices that you can do based off of your type, strategy, and authority and get your affirmations for all of your gates. So there's just so much out there to empower you to dive deeper into your own self-awareness. We love human design, Avi, but also we love numerology. There's so many different modalities and we're just excited that we get to be on this journey all together. So reach out, say a hi. We'd love to hear where you're at on your journey. And we hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day.